I should probably unmute myself and start over. Hi, you're watching Unsafe Space and you've been watching my lips move. And it's been great, I know, but I was saying things. Uh, I'm Carter and I'm joined by Carrie as usual. And today we are speaking to Comics Division. Comics Division is a 20-year veteran of the tech industry working as a software developer and DevOps engineer. He's a former comics book fan, comic books fan who started his YouTube channel criticizing identity politics in comic books and the comic book industry, but has moved on to criticizing entertainment, pop culture, and the Great Reset. You can follow him on Twitter at Comics Division, assuming that Twitter allows him to continue there. And you can go to his YouTube channel, which is <laughs> Comics Division, spelled with an X. We'll put the links and uh, the URLs and social media handles below in the in the description. Anyway, with all of that and the lovely technical start, welcome to the show, Comics Division. Thank you for joining <laughs> thank you thanks for having me i'm i'm really excited to be here uh i'm such a such a small fry and i'm i have to be on your channel it's it's so you know awesome. what i i don't think of you oh, as a small I, fry we're carrie and i are used to having like 100 subscribers and no one paying attention so it's <laughs> we haven't caught up with ourselves yet I, don't think. No, I was just i was just thinking about those days recently of carter you know when you get up and you're doing a podcast every day and there's like five people watching and it's your family and your friends <laughs> And and still loving it, and you, it's good to remind yourself of those uh, the the five viewers uh, once in a while. I look, I am so excited to have you, Comics Division. I wanted to ask you, opening question in your bio: Why do you call yourself a former comic book fan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh that that's easy. It's easy to explain. So I started my channel criticizing what was going on in comics because you know they got invaded by SJWs and there was a bunch of identity politics, and it's gotten to the point where. You had good stuff, but it, it, it it's hard to support an industry that basically hates you. And so I, I've stopped buying comics and I'm now focusing on, you know, reading manga, stuff like that. So that's why I call myself a former. Aren't there fan. some like independent comics out now trying to not be woke and doing stuff? Are they just not any good or? Oh, no, there, there is. I mean, the, the, and I've definitely been supporting them. Uh, there's a lot of people like Ethan who is doing uh, – like Indiegogo's and you know a lot of people doing their own independent books, which I've been supporting. So, but you know, as a greater whole, when it comes to like Marvel and DC, I, I just don't support those companies anymore. But I support right. independent. Well, creators. you guys won't be able to see this, but I'll just put this up for everyone to see. Here's Snowflake and Safe Space, two of the examples of <laughs> of what Comics Vision is talking about right now, and why. <laughs> Which is funny is because those characters will never see the light of day because they got mocked so heavily by Joe they, Rogan. I, Oh, Wait, so remind were you remind me and our viewers about Snowflake and were they Snowflake and Safe Space? So yes, um, and, and oh. were these real proposed characters? Yes, yes, they actually are. These are this is supposed to be for the New Warriors or the New New Warriors as we call it, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they were supposed to be you know taking back the label of SJWs, you know, and it's. Um, <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. And, and it, it, Kittle Smith, you know, they had this. Um, it was actually on uh, Marvel's YouTube page. We watched the trailer for it. And it's like the, the art is terrible. The ideas behind it are just completely dumb. Nobody asked for this, but we we kind of got it. But we didn't get it because, you know, they, they had the pre-orders on Amazon and everybody's order got canceled and refunded mysteriously. Oh, wow. because mm -hmm. it was boxed. So, well, it it. I had forgotten that it was real. I think I, yeah, I was thinking of it as, as parody. I thought somebody just made this. <laughs> exactly. <Is> it... <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that's the thing that's so funny about it. This is the way everyone was looking at. It, this is what a you know a anti SUW would come right. up with. <laughs> and it's it's just so funny. And, and he and Kimball Smith got blowback from like everybody, the non woke crowd, the woke crowd, everybody hated it. That was dumb. Yeah, weren't there other there were so other characters were in that group, right? That were uh I don't remember some of the names, but it wasn't just those two. There was uh those other ones. Oh yeah, yeah, Trailblazer, which was basically an overweight door, the explorer. <laughs> uh you had screen time. <laughs> And his, he got his superpowers, no kidding here, folks, from Internet Gas, whatever that may be. His grandfather's Internet Gas. <laughs> Insert joke here, writes itself, right? Uh, and then um, there was typo negative or, or B negative. Sorry, B negative. B negative. Okay. Yeah, which is like a Morbius ripoff. Oh, okay. Well, and it wasn't the well the, so. the screen thing, wasn't that the evil villain in Incredibles 2? It was something screen like time? that. It was like know, the screen maybe. dude. That, that was his – he was the villain. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it, it, somebody should take – some anti-woke person, maybe they have, should take these characters and just run with it. Just use them. Like because it is. It, it sounds like- – yeah, just use them. I want to see what Snowflake <laughs> and Safe Space are doing. <laughs> but I want it to be written well. Uh, so my question is, what were you reading before when you were a comic book fan? What were your oh, favorites? Um, my favorites, oh, geez. Um, it's, it seems like ages ago. But uh, Spider-Man is, you know, is always a top favorite of mine. And uh, Nick Spencer, who previously or who who is writing for Spider-Man currently, uh, the, the individual before him was Dan Slott, and Dan Slott was terrible. I mean, he he basically went out of his way to to piss fans off. You know, he 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 trolled his own fans, which is is terrible. Uh, he, he put a bunch of crap in there, and he, he's been writing that book for like ten years. And the, the the whole joke with Dan Slott is that whenever he's on a book, he wants to write everything but that actual character, like the Fantastic Four. He's writing the Fantastic Four now, I think. I, I don't keep up with it anymore because I, I simply just don't care. Um, but uh, it, it's like um, – it, anyway, uh, Spencer ruined Captain America. He's the one who's responsible for okay. making Captain America a Nazi. And um, DC, uh, I was reading Hawkman, which was actually pretty good. I was reading a lot of the Black Label stuff. Uh, Sean Gordon Murphy stuff typically is pretty is pretty decent. But I, I got to the point. It's like I, I can't continue to give money to a company that basically yeah. hates me. And that's yeah. the whole issue with the um, the comic book industry. It, it literally hates the fans, and they they try and prop up these characters that aren't popular, like Captain Marvel, it, 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 who who gets a reboot like every six months at this point. I think her book has been rebooted like ten times, and they there's a lot of issues with the comic book industry from events, uh, alternate covers, and. Um, when they when Dan Slott launched his uh, Iron Man um, like last year, there was twenty five variant covers. Why twenty five? Wow. It, it, it's a way. Okay, so whenever um, it, it's where they try and make their money through events and number ones. Number ones always sell. It's part of the reason why they continue to reboot things or renumber because everybody wants to get that number one. And so what? It, it's really predatory behavior because they know that. Hardcore collectors, they will collect every single variant cover. And these wow. covers, they aren't worth anything. Eventually, people will catch on. But they know people will buy them. Yeah. They've so been it's catching almost, on. It's almost as if people 
people are not happy with the product. And so there are not as many people buying, but they know there's that hardcore contingent of the fan base where they can just increase sales by doing more variant covers <laughs> to get yeah, them to buy. And, re- and re- renumbering, uh, like I said, the number ones always sell pretty high, but you see this drop off. And I haven't, I haven't paid attention to the Comicron numbers recently. They obviously got screwed up because of the coof and the close down, uh, you know, the shutdowns that we had last year. And but y- you can you can see where things are just incredibly tanking. I mean, comics, I mean, uh, like Spider-Man used to sell like millions of copies. And, and now I, I think maybe they sell 100,000, probably less than that. And, and wow. hundreds of 200,000 is like high these days. And I, I want to say that the comic book industry, they consider anything over 5,000 issues sold. And again, these are sold to stores, not necessarily sold to individual consumers. Uh, is considered to be a success, and and beforehand that was considered to be your book is going to cancel if you can if you can only sell five thousand issues to a store, yeah. gone. Now I don't want to blame yeah. SJWs for everything, a- but it is a fun game to play. And and as I think about how maybe this could play out, you know, I think of <clears throat> we've talked about convergence before, which is the phenomenon whereby SJWs take over an organization and usurp its mm-hmm. primary purpose to um, make it. Its primary purpose spread the SJW ideology. It's kind of like a, it's like a, it's like HIV. It takes over your T cells, and right. So, um, yes. I, so it's hard to be, and I, I think generally it's hard to be an angry social justice warrior and be creative and coming up with new ideas is difficult. And the whole reason you're usurping the organization is because it's full of a bunch of, you know. Uh, cretins who don't understand you and who don't understand the wokeness and need to be educated. And so it kind of makes sense. It's natural to just say, well, let's milk these cretins for as much as we possibly can. We don't have a lot of creative energy or ideas, so we can't come up with new Mm -hmm. stuff. Let's just keep rebooting and suck them dry and hopefully in the process indoctrinate them. And if if we kill Marvel on the way, who cares? The mission is to indoctrinate the people. So (laughs) if we indoctrinate them all and Marvel dies, that's fine. Um, you know, we, we'll use the resources that we've got as much as we can, and we don't really care about comics. We're not actual fans. We don't actually love the industry and the creative aspect of it. We don't want to have our own ideas. Uh, we don't have any ideas of our own, and we don't want to have to invent anything new because that's gee, – golly gee, that's hard, right? Yeah, I mean it, there's a lot of reasons why comic books are failing, and you know, the SJW invasion is just a, another – you piece of straw on the pile, so to speak. I mean, they've been slowly dying over the ages. You have a lot of things that are competing with comic books, you know, video games. There's a lot of disruptive forms of entertainment out there that are, that are slowly killing it. And this is just another thing that you add to the pile. And it's probably a, a pretty big stack of, you know, of sticks that's being thrown on there. But, um, it, the, it's been in, it's been in yeah. trouble for a while, but even, Gary was talking about that. Gary was talking about uh, mm-hmm. how video games and and I just I have no I had no idea about how video games are so much more popular and have kind of edged out. Maybe it's uncouth, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of uh, lumping them together of, and saying, well, if you have a universe, let's say you have the Marvel universe, or let's say you have the the universe of we'll just we'll make a small universe of Iron Man in by himself or whatever. Just pick a character, right? <clears throat> that mm-hmm. that universe, yeah, maybe the comic the comic books are starting to die because there's other technology and other things going on, but having mm-hmm. having the comic books still might be the backbone of the story that's used to make video games or movies or other things and so the derivative works from those also kind of suck 
at this point, right? Because they're all based on this reboot crap. Yeah. Well, the, it, that's the idea, right? It, it, what's happening with Marvel right now is they're simply just an IP farm for the MCU. And back in, I want to say it was 2015, you saw all new, all different. And this is where we got an introduction uh, to all the, the the new superheroes that they're trying to get, like Riri Williams for Ironheart. She was the replacement for Iron Man. You had Falcon taking over as Captain America. I'm trying to remember else who you had. You had Kamala Khan's Miss Marvel. You know, all, all these characters came out and they were supposed to kind of like replace, you know, all the white straight male characters that were out there. Um, and they flopped. And, they, and the reason why they flopped is because, you know, they weren't enduring at all. It, it was all about, you know, preaching to the audience, you know, trying to tell them that, um, you know, you're a bad person because of X, Y, Z, or you should believe X, Y, Z. And that's, you know, and, and the, you know, the cherry on top of it was when Nick Spencer made Captain America, you know, the beacon of hope of the Marvel universe, a freaking Nazi. Which is what they view America as. Wow. It makes I, sense yeah, that I, Captain America would be a Nazi because people who love America are now considered Nazis. Right. And that's. Yeah. And it, it's just, um, it, it didn't resonate well with the fans, obviously. You know, they, they didn't write the characters um, to be interesting or have actual challenges. And it, it's because if you, if you do that, um, you know, it, it, they're going to get yelled at by the SJWs. Uh, how dare you do these certain things? How dare you write this person like an actual person? You know, it, it's, it's very you know, unfortunate. The, and it, the problem, it, as I see it, is that they're, they're not just rep changing um, the identity, you know, in terms of race or gender of some of these characters. Because I've seen, I've seen that change before. We've we used the Battlestar Galactica example just because that's a show I watched and I loved. I loved uh, um, Starbuck when they made her a woman, but it wasn't because they made her a woman. Mm -hmm. It was because the character was great, and they didn't. Um, what what they're doing, it seems like, it is they're. They're making the point of of the book. The point of the comic book is now about the change. The point is like to hammer it over your head that like, you know, this is different. We're going to talk. We're going to fo focus more on race and sex. We're doing it to virtue signal. And then therefore you're now beholden to that belief system. And, and you're almost afraid. What it does is it hampers your creativity because then oh, it really does. Yeah, yeah. You can't write storylines and plots that might risk offending any of those people that you made that change for. Yeah, uh, have you heard about the the reboot of Battlestar Galactica? Oh, the another the, reboot, the next no. reboot. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's essentially a reboot of the reboot. They're trying to say like all these versions of Battlestar Galactica exist in the same universe now, and what we're getting is supposed to be a continuation. And it's like it's a reboot. Come on! And initially, they're going to make Starbuck a black woman. The uh, actress dropped out because I think she's playing uh, another character in the Flash movie. I don't remember the, her name. And so they decide to replace it with a non-binary character. And it's just like it, – it's like you, they continue they to up to the ante. Up. Yeah, exactly. They to, yes, they have to one-up everything. I about this and I just blocked it out because I didn't want to know. <laughs> like please don't do that to – no, it was it was great the way it was. Um, so I want to ask you then – we talked about what you were reading. What, why are you reading manga? What's different about manga? Well, it, it actually tells entertaining stories and you know it treats characters like – you know, people and yeah, it's actually interesting. Uh, the, the current uh, book I'm reading is called Claymore. And this is the thing about which I, I find pretty neat about it is that um, all the characters are the main characters are female. 
And, and it, the idea, you, what claymores are, they are these uh, these warriors that are fighting these kind of like monsters called Yama. And they themselves are part Yama. And it's about um, their struggles between being part monster and being human because if they push their powers too far, they themselves turn into monsters. And it, and it is so well written. And it's a really interesting story. And again, you know, all the major leads of this book are women. It's like not a big deal. It, it's not like um, – you know, oh, I'm so pressed, you know, and, and it doesn't feel forced at all. Um, it, it's just a, a great story. And well, I'm and almost done great, with the series. Yeah. What a great lesson, too, because as soon as you said that, like, if they push their powers too far, they turn into monsters. You made me think of that Nietzsche quote about not becoming the monster that you're fighting. I mean, yeah, exactly. look at that. You, you've, you're building a story on something that's really a great life lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah, so mean, that's the reason why a lot of a lot of um, you know people who started under Comicsgate that were diehard comic book fans have have basically dropped you know the big two and have, have switched the manga because they're just a lot better. And yes, I know a claymore is a Scottish sword. That's the reason why they're called claymores is because they wield claymores. <laughs> so, <laughs> but why do you think manga hasn't been infected with social justice? I think because the Japanese don't care. Um, I, I don't know if it's if it's only a matter of time. It, it could be. I, I hope not because, they, you know, they tell such great stories. And I, I think some of them actually kind of looked into it and they're like, well, wait a second. Why are we doing this? Because we already have female fans. We don't need to go and try to attract more. It's like people like what they like. You know, it, it's like the same thing with like, you know, anything out there like with Star Wars. It's like Star Wars has always had female fans. Yeah. You know, it's they, they are attracted to it for a reason and you, you don't need to go and just like rewrite everything to be more inclusive because those aren't I mean, inclusive. I, I've spent some time in Japan and the culture certainly has problems, but it's, it's uniquely not, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't for, think it's sure. susceptible it to social justice ideology because they don't, there's no guilt about being Japanese. There's no, like no one could write a book called Japanese fragility and have it sell in Japan. Right. <laughs> It'd be like, <laughs> go away. Like, what are you talking about? Like, in fact, there's a little bit of, Generally, and, and you know, not to disparage the whole country, but there's quite a lot of Japanese superiority going on. I mean, they, so they they don't have the least bit of guilt that they're in control of their own society and successful or doing better than Koreans or something in their society. Like they don't you can't convince yeah. them that they're guilty of anything. So I think it's hard. They are they are a very. Yeah, very homogenous, society. very yeah. ethnocentric. Um, yeah. So I. I don't see – I don't know. I don't know how it would catch on. Like, it's, I don't know how social justice would catch on in Japan, but maybe there's a vector I can't see. I, I think a lot of it would, I guess, depend on the American market because they, it seems like Sony itself is getting pretty woke. And right now, I guess they're mainly based well, on California Well, Sony Pictures now. is. I think Sony Computer is still in Tokyo, isn't it? Or did they move? I, I think um, I don't know. I, I know that like the PlayStation, the PlayStation um, you know, game console that I think they're they're now based fully oh, okay. out of I didn't realize San Francisco. That. So, well, that would that's a risk yeah. then. They, and they're making they're making decisions, too. So, I mean, there's a few kind of woke things coming out of like Sony, but on the, you know, yeah. more the game console yeah. side. But the manga is still, I assume, made in Japan and then translated. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a question about Captain America. So. Because I don't follow comics too much, and I I didn't even watch. I know like everyone and their mother watched all the movies all the way through Infinity Wars. I I, I watched Infinity Wars 
out of context. Like I hadn't seen all the other movies, so I'm like, oh, what the hell is going on in this movie? Uh, and there was the end battle where there's this like, you know, massive, massive battle. And there's something I just, I, I honestly, I know this is maybe just a naive question, and I apologize, but does Captain America is she just a god? She seemed to have like nothing wrong, nothing. Oh, or no, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, was she like nothing wrong? No, no, like no vulnerabilities. I don't understand why she didn't just win herself. She didn't seem to struggle with anything, and I don't understand why. What's her role in this? She kind of swooped in as a god and then helped a little bit, but left or whatever. I don't get it. Oh man, um, <laughs> she's she's a, a shoehorned in character. And originally, Carol Danvers was. Miss Marvel. And, you know, she was a pretty good character, I guess, back then. I, I was never a huge fan. Uh, but, yeah, a, a lot of people are complaining that um, apparently I'm out of sync. Uh, I don't know if that's an issue with oh, Skype okay. or not. Well, well I'll um, see if I can sorry. adjust your sync a little bit. But we'll see. It might be a Skype issue. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, the, the issue with, um, you know, she's, it's Captain Mary Sue, as, you know, as I'm pointing out in the, ch- in the chat. You know, she's supposed to be like the female equivalent to Superman. Uh, but with uh, none of the charm or the interest, yeah, she's just she's the very boring character, and it's like they they um, picked probably one of the worst actresses to play this character because they're they're trying to make her like the 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 new focal point of the MCU because you know previously it was Tony Stark, and so they got to you know they they killed him off. They got to find a replacement who's going to be leading the Avengers, and you of course you hire this um, actress who's completely devoid of charisma to replace you know tony stark who is a very charismatic character and the actor you know robert downey jr is also very charismatic and was fantastic as the character and so it sucks (laughs) (laughs) and the only reason why it broke a billion it was sandwiched between two of the biggest mcu movies ever and it's the reason why it broke a billion and i don't see that happening coming up what were the the two biggest ever uh, Endgame and um, uh, Infinity War, or Infinity okay. War and Endgame, I should okay. say. And it was right between. Okay. Yeah, the, the finale. Makes that makes sense. What about the more like story kind of comics? I used to read the only ones I really read were um, The Walking Dead. Uh, I quit reading it around season two of the television show because I didn't like the way they were diverging. I didn't mm-hmm. want to keep reading while I was watching. Um, but uh, that one and well. Stephen King's The Stand, but that, I mean, that's a self-contained, it's based on a book, but what, what about the more story uh, kind of kind of comic books? Are they also getting, I don't know what's going on with Walking Dead or anything like that lately. Well, The Walking Dead has ended. Uh, oh, so it's officially, I, I did yeah, yeah, okay. last year, I want to say. Um, okay. Yeah, so it, it's over and done with, the, the comic book series. Um, it started to get a little woke, I think. Uh, I I think I own all of them from like 100 on up, but I, I just, I just haven't bothered finish reading them. <laughs> so I have no idea what's going on there. Um, you, you have a few things here and there. Uh, I, I, am a big fan of Robotech. I, I love the, the cartoon series when it came out in the eighties here in, in the States and they, they did a reboot of it and I was reading that and it's like, I got to the point where they, they killed off Captain Global and it was like, I'm done with this book. You know, they, they, Kept it enough to be the same, but they were changing things, I guess, to diverge a little bit from the anime series and the manga. Uh, but I, I I stopped reading it because it just was bad. 
So you're resoundingly a former comic book fan. So uh, tell us a little bit about when you started your podcast and what what it's been like for you. Like, what are the uh, um, any consequences of doing it, and what are the positives of doing it? Like, what's been the best part of it? Oh man, I, I'd say definitely the best part of it is just interacting with people. I mean, the, the live streams are great because you get to you know have people on, you get to talk to your audience. It's it's a little bit one way. When you do, you know, videos and I, I started off, um, you know, I, I kind of started noticing a lot of the stuff several years ago with the whole thing with like, uh, you know, seeing the word SJW pop up here and there. Uh, I, I kind of noticed what was going on earlier, but I just didn't have the name for it yet. You know, the whole thing with uh, yeah. people talking about white privilege. You know, I started really kind of seeing this stuff back in back in 2012 during Occupy. And, you know, you had some other events that happening on started seeing, you know, noticing you know, a little hating on uh, white men specifically. Of course, we had it back in the 90s, too, where, you know, you had this, um, I guess, like the proto-wokeness that was going on. And then back then, everyone, like, laughed at it, and, and it got, you know, stomped down, you know, pretty quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. And, but now it's like everybody's embracing it. And uh, I, I found the YouTuber Diversing Comics now, um, I guess, Comics with your boy Zach, I think is what he named his channel. And I, I found Captain Cummings and I started listening to all these YouTubers talking about what's going on in comics. And I started noticing it. I mean, there's like several ones I, I w- wasn't reading at the time. That was like, uh, I think it was like, um, shoot, I don't remember. But the, the cover had asked me about my feminist agenda. And it's like, uh, and I found out about that after the fact. I was like, <laughs> wow, I dodged the bullet there. But I started really kind of noticing it in, in these books. It's like, why, you know, what's the deal here? Why, why am I being preached down about? Um, you know, why Korean food is good. It's like, I already know this. Come on. And I, and it just, it was just like all the stuff that was going on. And I was like, wow, okay, that makes sense. And I got to the point where I, I just couldn't be silent about it anymore. And it's like the best way, you know, to kind of criticize these bad ideas is to mock them. And so that's how I kind of started my channel was to go and, uh, you know, kind of mock these bad comics. And, you know, initially I had my my, my avatar, my cartoon avatar, uh, which I still have on my channel. Gary is ultimately the one who convinced me to to do a face reveal. But for you know, roughly, I guess, like two and a half, three years, I was, I was using the, the avatar thing. It kind of evolved over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as like any consequences, um, none yet. Knock on wood, it stays that way, right? I mean, it's it's I'm I'm fully prepared for it. It's like it's only a matter of time, I think. Um, I don't know. It's um, it, it's scary. It's scary mm-hmm. when you're speaking out uh, against this narrative and you and you see it in the workplace because it's infesting HR, it's infesting you know politics, and it's infesting every aspect of our culture, including entertainment. So yeah. And now you're talking about speaking of being, you know, being a scary thing to speak out against the narrative. You have a new channel you're doing that's just about the Great Reset. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, well, when did you first hear of the Great Reset? Because for me, it was very recently. (laughs) And and it's one of those things where I thought, this sounds a little, you know, it's conspiracy theory. And they have a website. Yes, they do. And the more I started reading about it, I was like, this is really kind of brilliant. They just put it all out in the open, don't they? They're just yeah, here it yeah. is. Yeah. So tell us about the Great Reset and what you what you talk about on that channel. Okay. Um, oh, the Great Reset is kind of this um, 
realignment of capitalism. What they're really pushing is um, – let me make sure I got the right word – stakeholder capitalism. Uh, the idea that they're wanting to make capitalism be more equitable. So again, it's you know under the guise of you know equity and all this other stuff. And what they're trying to do, at least to me, it seems like is stomp out small business. They want to control more of your life. You know, the, the goals – I mean they have an article on the World Economic Forum. And it's funny because they renamed it because initially it was uh, 2030. It's 2030. I have no privacy. I own nothing and I've never been happier. And it's like that's pretty <laughs> scary. I saw that they put, they put out a propaganda poster with a guy smiling about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a yeah. video about it and they end up renaming it what it could be like in 2030. And I, I first became aware of it because Dave Cullen was covering it on his channel and he um, talked about this Hill article. And this is an article, like I said, coming from a mainstream political uh, publication. It's not like, you know, Alex Jones and everyone gets mad at me when I say say that, but it's not. A crazy conspiracy and it's like it has its own website on the world economic forum and what they're trying to do is they're using COVID 19 to change everything uh when it comes to what we own what we consume and you know what we will be eating in the future i mean there's all these articles that were coming out last year about how we'll be eating bugs in the future it's like oh come on that's that's nonsense and you're like no, this is playing right into that narrative. And Klaus Schwab, who's the guy who's who's pushing this, he's one of the co-founders of the World Economic Forum. He has a book out there. It's called COVID-19 and the Great Reset or COVID-19, the Great Reset. And uh, I, I got it. I have two copies. I have the physical copy and the digital copy. And I started reading it. And it, it, it's crazy. Um, it is absolutely crazy. And he is using what's happening with the lockdowns as a way to push this agenda. And if you can look into um, Agenda 2030. I think it was a formerly it was Agenda 21. Um, and obviously it's changed because uh, they weren't able to, to successfully push these policies out. So a lot of what I cover is what is going on with the Great Reset. I, I, I need, I've been very bad about putting out content and what you could do to kind of prepare for it. So I talk a, a little bit about prepping as well. And as well, as things that you need to do, like becoming an advocate for your civil liberties, for your rights. And I think that's the, the biggest thing we can do right now to, to fight this is to talk about it, criticize it and become an activist for your rights. So I, the Great Reset, I think it's brilliantly named because it so obviously sounds like a conspiracy that they can just talk about it out in the mm -hmm. open and everyone's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's crazy. There's no such thing as a Great Reset. Uh, but they just yeah. – <laughs> Yeah. Well, there there was an article basically saying all oh, those crazy conservatives and this conspiracy theory about how you know the coup was created for the great you know, for the great reset. It's like no, 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 no. We we all know the coup is a real thing, but you know they're using it as an excuse. Yeah. To push so this I, agenda. I guess my question is, when you say it's going to change everything, right? That's a that's a big statement, and you've talked about stakeholder capitalism, which we can get into, but specifically. How do they want to change everything? Are they pushing? Are they like pushing policies in governments? Are they funding media? Where's the money coming from? How are they like? What are they doing to roll out and affect this change? Uh, what they're trying to do is they're pushing it through policies within governments. I mean, you have Trudeau who is on board. He's talked about you know the Great Reset and how we need a reset of global capitalism. And, and, and the, the funny thing about it is that it, it, stakeholder capitalism 
it, it's very sneaky. And the idea behind it, there's a difference. What makes it different is that shareholders are just another stakeholder and other stakeholders you have within the community. So it could be like BLM and all this stuff. And the idea behind it is that the the way they succeed, because beforehand, the way executives would get bonuses is by, you know, shareholders or the, you know, what's going on with the stock, how much money the company's making, things like that. Well, now executives can make bonuses by pushing certain agendas. We want to have more inclusivity. So we're going to push these policies with these TV shows and movies, et cetera, et cetera. And they can go, hey, we did this thing. From we whom? get our money. Because when a, when a CEO gets a bonus for giving for the shareholders the money, it's because he has an excess profit. How, where does the money come from when he just implements a woke policy? That is a very good question. I honestly don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I guess the, the the obvious thing here, but I it's obvious to me, but I'm going to point it out anyway. They're they're using the word. I think they've chosen the name, by the way, beautifully. I mean, they're really they're they're so brilliant at language, mm-hmm. right? Stakeholder capitalism. I'm a capitalist. I'm an anarcho capitalist. That sounds good to me on the, like on the surface. I'm like, well, it's capitalism. So I like that. And the stakeholders, stakeholders should have a say like that makes sense. Stakeholder capitalism. I'm all for it until you peel it back and realize, oh, this has nothing to do with capitalism and has nothing to do with stakeholders. (laughs) It's actually community. It's like communist controlled companies it's oh someone's gonna have we're gonna have community interest groups we're gonna have people that actually have nothing to do with the company or haven't put any money up for the company or just for some for whatever reason have a voice and what the government by force is going to force companies to behave certain ways or to compensate their ceos certain ways is that how it's implemented i don't i don't know it's Okay, Nike is a really good example of this. Um, we all know how bad Nike is, right? They have sweatshops. You know, they have kids in these foreign countries, and they are, you know, paying them very little to make their shoes. So that's the business model, right? But on top of that, you have Colin Kaepernick doing these promotional stuff, and it, it's very kind of like surface level. The idea, look how much of a wonderful company we are. We support BLM. We support, you know, justice. We support social justice. But don't look over here and, and realize what a crappy company we are because we are, you know, having shoes made uh, w- basically by slaves right. at this point. It, it, it's, a, it's a form of um, – it's virtue signaling. It would have really comes down to look how look how great we are because we we stand for these causes. Uh, never mind the fact that we're in bed with China and China is a terrible country and does terrible things to their people. Right. It's it's just um, I don't know. I, I look at it and I th- the, sometimes you just look at what they're saying and you know that they're just saying the opposite. And if you if you realize that you can kind of figure out their mm-hmm. agenda. But you know when they're talking about global capitalism. Uh, they really mean they want to get wealthy through global control over the supply chain and they want to virtue yes. signal the right way in this community so they get wealthy here but be able to exploit people exploit people over here possibly with government help right they're not uh if you were actually if you actually cared even about ostensibly social justice you would be making moves like well we're not going to use slave labor hey china uh, we don't like these things that you've done um, to your 
uh, people were, were going to refuse to do business unless these things change about your economy, but instead, or your, you know, how you treat your people, but instead they, like you said, they sweep that under the rug and they get pats on the back from AOC and, and that's it. Yeah. I, I think ultimately the goal is like some form of socialism, communism. It, it's, it's all about control. They don't want people to own things. They only want you to rent. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty funny because I was thinking back whenever I was reading about this, I was thinking back to stuff I was reading back in early 2000, uh, where they where they had a lot of like something as a service, and a lot of people were against this idea of you basically rent everything in the future, which is what we're right. kind of doing now. Certainly in software, and, by the you, way, you know, renting yeah. your operating system. Yeah, yeah, specifically software. Software as a service. Um, you lease your operating system. You you pay Microsoft a monthly fee. Fortunately, things like that never panned out. And it's not that these ideas are, are necessarily bad, because like you know, take a look at what happened with a, with Adobe and their Creative Suite for like fifty bucks a month. You have access to everything. Where beforehand, you know, if you're a poor college student, you can't upfront pay like five hundred dollars for Premiere or Adobe, but for fifty dollars, which is almost affordable, and you're pretty much paying roughly the same amount of money, you can have these services. But again, you don't own it. So as soon as you cancel that subscription, boom, well, it's gone. And I, I mean, with Adobe specifically, even college students, it's even less. They, they have a history of really successfully uh, practically giving their stuff away to educational institutions so people learn on their products sure. when they go out in the, in the real world that that's what they want to buy. But I mean, I think anyone, I, I heard people making this argument prior, like in the last few weeks, oh, well, why do you have to own anything? Why can't you just rent it? What's the difference? And my answer to them today is ask Parler what the difference is between renting and owning. <laughs> right? That's if you rent, very, you very don't true. have control. The difference, and I just want to be clear, you're going to rent from them. And that means the rental agreement can be canceled if you don't comply. It's a control technique. Renting is a control technique. It is. Well, then that's the thing uh, was happened over the years is a lot of us kind of sacrificed that for that convenience. It's like, you know, I started using Gmail. I moved my you know, for, for years. I ran my own mail server, which was a pain in the ass when it came to spam and all this stuff. And I moved my my personal email over there and it was great. You know, they handled all the spam stuff for me. Now I'm like, I'm taking it back, man. I'm sitting in my, you mail know, server I, again. I'm the same I really, way. I just remember what a pain it we, is. I ran and, my own mail server. It got yeah. complicated. I switched to Gmail, but you know what we did is switched to um, Proton Mail is actually quite good. I'm happy to pay for Proton Mail, um, so check them out. Not they're not supporting the show. I'm just plugging them for no reason because I like Proton Mail. <laughs> I know a lot of people who use them. It, it was definitely a consideration because, um, yeah, um, trying trying to get your mail server to play nice with everybody again is, is kind of a pain. You know, that's that like one of the things I was always fighting with. Oh. It balanced because, you know, back then when I was running it, you just had to have a reverse uh, DNS zone and a PTR record. Now there's like all these text records yeah. you got to have in there, you know, to prevent spoofing and, and all this stuff. It's like, oh, my God. Now I remember yeah. why I got rid and of And it's very vulnerable. Thing. It's a, Maybe I'll just it's a huge vulnerability if you're not keeping your mail server up to date and paying attention to security uh, problems because there's like yeah. inevitably – I think I used to use Qmail, which was Dan Bernstein's thing a while ago. Uh, but like it's hard to have a complex mail server and not be pretty vulnerable, which just gives me, I don't know, makes me feel uneasy if you're running your own server and you're doing that. But uh, a tangent, we don't have I to I just wanted to jump in for a second. <laughs> I don't know if, if you guys can hear me or that's a little glitchy. I can but, hear you. Uh, if I freeze, okay, 
We just had a couple of super chats. Roger Haynes says, hail comics division. <laughs> um, he also says Japanese manga, anime, and games often get sexualized after they become successful. They refer to it as a fan service. What? Fan service? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I mean, there's uh, a, a lot of nudity typically in manga. You know, the, the Japanese aren't shy about it. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> That sounds like a happy ending, a fan service. Um, R-R says, uh, thank you, R-Far. He says, the Great Reset, essentially the marriage between global capitalist bureaucracy and infrastructure with the ideology of postmodernist progressivism. Yeah, Yes. Try explaining that to a, uh, a normie. Here's here's where I'm at. Uh, I don't know about you, but in the past couple of days, we you we were just talking about this before we started the show. It's We're... It's a crazy time right now. Oh, it's just boy. in a week, week a matter of a week. <laughs> Things are getting crazy. Things are, I think we're in a period of acceleration and you're going to see these periods of acceleration and then things will kind of uh, reach sort of a, a status, uh, a period of stasis for a while and then we'll have another acceleration. And um, during this particular period of acceleration, I'm getting a lot of texts from people I would call more of like normies. Mm-hmm. who haven't really been engaged politically, um, who are seeing the censorship happening around them, who uh, it, it's starting to affect nor uh, Facebook. I had a friend text me and said, you know, uh, uh, her, I thought it was her uncle, but it's her it's her brother's friend. Her brother's friend's disabled veterans group got taken down off of Facebook. And oh, like, wow. and, and, you know, that the nature of some of these texts are like, what's going on? And, and people wanting me to help them understand what's happening. And, um, are you getting, first of all, are, what's your, uh, what's your opinion about the, the pulse of what's going on right now? Now, secondly, how do we start to talk talk about what the enemy is and to help people see what the enemy is when it, when a sentence like this, which is actually, Absolutely correct, Arfar. I'm not. I'm not criticizing it. But when people see a lot of words like that about the marriage of global capitalist bureaucracy and infrastructure with the ideology of postmodernist progressivism, it's like their minds are. It's gonna. They're gonna do what I do when I hear about economics. Just kind of. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's so. I don't know. It, it's such a difficult conversation to have because um, a lot of people. I mean, back in the '90s, okay, I remember people talk about the New World Order stuff like that. I'd I'd buy all these books by Tex Mars because I thought they're funny and I'd read them. And you know, the, it, back then, you the internet was a thing, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And they weren't exactly telling us what we're doing. It's like I remember people talking about the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, all this you know NWO stuff. I'm like, yeah, whatever, sure, okay, I get it. The people with all the money control everything. That's not a secret. You know, if you have half a brain cell, you can figure that out. Um, but then you start seeing the stuff and it's like, holy crap. It's like it, it might just like losing my freaking mind. Am I, am I becoming conspiracy theorist because of the stuff that's out there? And it's like it's on their website. You know, the World Economic Forum is telling you what they're doing with the Great Reset. This is not a conspiracy, especially when they tell you what they're doing. Um, you know, whether whatever actually happens is, a, is another story. Maybe it's a wish that they want. I don't think it is. I know that, you know, um, you know, John Kerry has mentioned that Biden's going to be the great reset president. I mean, it's it's happening, folks. You know, I don't, I don't have to tell you at this point. But how do you have these conversations with normies? I mean, you got to point them to the information. You got to point them to credible sources that uh, that talk about this stuff like the hill. You got to point them to the World Economic Forum and have them read this stuff. You got to wake people to the, the idea that you no, know, they're using 
tragedies to push these agendas. And one of the biggest things that they're doing with the Great Reset is, you know, is that, you know, they've been trying to push it using climate change. It hasn't been working for them. So they they just so happen to have this lovely thing called the coof that popped up. And now they're explaining yeah. that. I mean, they've also kind of they've prepped the populace for this already by kind of dumbing everyone down. Yeah, yeah. No one pays attention. Like, I completely agree with what Kerry said when people read that global capitalist bureaucracy and infrastructure with the ideology of postmodernist progressivism. It's like you might as well be speaking Hindi. It's gobbledygook. Or Hindi. Like no one knows what you're talking about, right? Exactly. I mean, because they don't yeah. – no one thinks that those ideas are important. No one thinks that uh, any principles are kind of important. They're focused on, you know, what the next Netflix series will be and, you know – does the politician they want to vote for say nice sounding things like black lives matter? Like they're not, they're not thinking in terms of any kind of principles. They don't really bother to understand anything. They're not taught anything in school. We've got, you know, people graduating from high school who in the, in the U S who probably wouldn't have graduated from sixth grade a hundred years ago. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. I, they've really prepared the population for just, just, having the wool pulled over their eyes and pulling a fast one on them and saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do a great reset. Here's some nice sounding words. Don't worry. It's still capitalism. It's stakeholder capitalism. And here's a big boogeyman and the elites love you and we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Get back to your farm. Yeah. Don't it's think for yourself. A, don't question. Be afraid. This is, this is just a event. This is not a question for you. Comics division. You just happen to be here with us on this night, but I today, for some reason today, maybe the past couple of days, I'm struggling. I, I thought I'd gotten to a point where I was pretty good at having conversations with people who are watching what I call the wrong movie or what Scott Adams calls, you know, there's two different movies playing. Yes. Um, I'm at a place now after this acceleration point where I don't even, I'm, I'm at a loss. I look at some of the stuff that, that people are, are posting on Twitter, a lot of the blue check marks and the elite and then it's, it, the movies have separated. It's insane. Just, it's insane. It, they've separated and diverged to such a degree. I don't even know how to talk to you, like because I, you're watching this movie that's not actually happening. And I guess I'm just—I uh, don't know if there's a question in there. I'm just—I'm I, I, feeling—I'm uh, still very hopeful. Uh, Carter knows, like I have this. I feel like we're going to go through some you very have dark to be times. Hopeful. We, we are. Now, we absolutely are. Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing the show. You wouldn't be doing your show if you weren't hopeful. Um, but you know, I guess just the past couple of days and maybe in the coming weeks, it remains to be seen, um, how, how we move from here in trying to have conversations with people who are in the matrix for lack of a better <laughs> word. Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I don't have the energy for it right now. I don't, just that, that, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, um. It's insane. I, I posted this one thing about censorship with the whole thing with um, you know Trump getting banned from Twitter, and I had this lady come in and saying you know it, it, somebody found this XKCD, um, which is a, was which is a web strip uh, about free speech, and she posted it. I was like, and I, I replied back to her. I was like, so you are fine with the idea of large corporations having this much control? And she's like, I'm fine with them doing whatever they want, even if it means a Nazi baker is not selling a cake to a gay couple. I'm like, well, at least you're consistent. <laughs> it's like, wow. I don't know where to take the conversation from here. I really, yeah. I really don't. You can't. And all I have to say is, folks, if you could afford some <laughs> land, go buy it. <laughs> yeah. 
We've been um, saying the same. Hey, I told people uh, on one of our previous ep- recent episodes, it's like a lot of people in our community are, have been asking about where should we move? People who want to move to a place that's less authoritarian, that has more like-minded people, people who believe in individualism and free speech and, and you know, equality under the law. And um, look, Texas is – I can't stop the flood of people coming here anyway. They're going to be coming. They're coming from California. They're coming from New York. They're coming from all over. So I might as well start recruiting ones who who believe in individualism oh, and free speech. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like please – yeah. With Texas is, you know, we, we've had the influx of Californians for years. I mean, I remember back in the 90s how all that was going on. It's like you go to, you know, go to Austin, go to 6th Street and, um, you know, how, how they, they tried moving in these Californian companies and, you know, building these um, was like the, the shopping centers with the, with, the, with the houses or the townhomes on top. And oh, yeah. how, uh, you know, they, they, the Californians literally changed the culture almost overnight in Austin. And the funny thing is they did the exact same thing to Portland a couple of years ago. My brother lives in Portland. We're, we're doing a walking tour. And the guy asked, um, you know, so, yeah, the, the city motto there is uh, keep Portland weird. It's like, anyone know where we got that yeah. from? I was like, yeah, you stole it from Austin. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know that? It's like, because I'm from Texas, dude. That's how I know. It's like the, the exact same thing that's going on with your city is basically happening. It happened to Austin in the 90s. And we're, we're seeing again. I think there's good news. I, I think the people who are really blue are just going to flock to blue areas. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to change the political demographic because Austin itself is already very blue. There's a lot of very blue districts and they're just going to flock there. I think the people that are fleeing that are more conservative might go to different areas. And I'm hopeful that our state won't flip back to being blue again. I, I don't know. We'll see. Do you think you can only so? Hope, I guess, you know, yeah. Do you think secession is on – is it possibility? I don't Why not? It's a possibility. It's, um, I don't know. Um, a lot of reasons. Uh, everyone likes to say, hey, Texas can secede. It's like, no, it really can't. Uh, if it does, we're in a good position because we have a power grid. You know, one of the – was it one of the five or three that's in the United States? I don't remember how many there are. Um so we're, we're fine if that happens. Why is I, – I think it's kind of obvious. I mean you know, as much as California likes to threaten secession, they can't. You know, they, they're, they're, they would be screwed. I mean everyone likes to talk about how uh, conservative portions of this country would be um, – become third world countries. It's like no. It's these are the areas that are reliant upon the rest of the country for food will <laughs> it will become lord of the flies very soon in, in some very blue areas like new york um i, I don't know like like i said we it, it could happen but i think uh it, it things would just be, get very violent i don't think there's such a thing as um a, a peaceful you know separation i think things would, would i don't it doesn't sound like a time. good option to me but i'm it's, i'm starting to look at like i'm starting to cross off the best options and I'm getting down to the bottom of the list going like, well, <laughs> I guess there's all out civil war. That's a bad op. That's below secession. That's a bad option. Let's move that down on the list. Like how much, what do we have left? Cause voting hard doesn't seem to work. Uh, so <laughs> what, what do you do at that point? And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I, I, I am an optimist, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that America comes out of this in the same configuration that we went into this with. I know. 
it, it's really frightening, especially when what scares me the most about all this. And when you when you have people like AOC calling for truth and reconciliation, that's something they want. And it's like, what do you do? Are you going to create concentration camps? To put I think the they would if in? they could. Is yes. that what your plan is? I think they. I well, think they would as did well. You, did you see the uh, the PBS lawyer who just got fired because Project Veritas caught him on camera saying that they should take the children of Trump voters and put them in re-education camps? He said yeah. this on camera. Uh, that's just yeah. I mean, that's where we're at, and you know, unfortunately, um, it, it's the reason why uh, my latest video or one of my last videos on the Great Reset channel is about prepping. It's like you know, get ninety days worth of food and water. You know, get batteries, flashlights, own a firearm. You know, things that you can do to to help defend yourself if if things get really crazy. You know, buy ammunition if you could find it. And you know, unfortunately, I, I I'm very concerned about the First and Second Amendment under a Biden presidency. Yeah. I, I yeah. think um, you know, there's a a lot of excuses that are going to be used because of what's going on to take away civil liberties. And it's something that we can't just sit around and go, okay, you know, we, we have to call or write our politicians on this. We, we have to have a voice. We have to be vocal. You know, for those of you out there who do, don't have a YouTube channel, get a YouTube channel, have a voice. Uh, but at the same time, you got to be you got to be worried about. You have to be careful because these people are going to come for you at some point. They're going to try and get you fired from your job. It, it's it's very frightening, and it's like, what do you do? And it's the reason why I say, you know, buy land. If things get bad, at least you can try and grow some food. You know, you can have a bug out location. You can, um, you know, do what you can. I don't know. I'm, I'm very cynical about. I don't know what the future looks like. Most people being able to survive growing their food in the wilderness. Like I just. Oh, trust me, I'm cynical too. I had I tried a garden last year. And <laughs> I can't keep houseplants alive. But I mean, I <laughs> I will say, I, but hey, and in, in the defense of a lot of people in our audience, I know this from looking at the Telegram. There are a lot of preppers that, that watch us, and I, I mean, they have a lot more. They're more talented than I am, and they know a lot about some of them about growing food and stuff. I feel like I should just start asking them what is it yeah, that I need. Yeah, I, I to agree, do. and I, and I'm I'm a, like a um, prepper light. I mean, I I do do some of that stuff already, but uh, at the end of the day, you can't. I don't think you're going to be able to hide from this and sit it out. Like something's going to happen. You you're not just going to no, sit no, it out, and then America will be back with the First and Second Amendment when you're done sitting it out in your bunker. Like that's not how this is going to go. So if no, yeah, it absolutely, it's not going to go that way. Can you talk just a little bit about – because, again, I'm thinking about the, the people – I'm just kind of loosely calling normies. But the people who have been texting me, one of my friends who not very politically engaged, I would say, who's now paying attention, she was asking. She was like, what do I need to do? Do I need to get water? Do I need yeah. to stock up on food? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and you – and I think it, it, it can sound much like talking about the Great Reset to someone who's in – the propaganda bubble from the mainstream media, it not that she is. I'm just saying, if if someone is there, mm-hmm. it can sound a bit extreme. And it, and I I do want to tell people I don't I don't think you're going to need to use that water and the the food that you're stocking up on tomorrow or even next week, but you need to have it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just a good idea. Just like any kind of emergency that happens, you know. I mean, it, it's it's. Preparing for uncertainty, you know, it's being smart about stuff. It's um, just making sure that you're secure if you lose your job, if the lights go out and they never come back on or the lights go out for a prolonged period of time. Because, I mean, look what happened with Katrina. 
is a perfect right. example. That's why you need to prep. It, it's um, I'm not prepping for the apocalypse. I'm prepping to make sure that if something bad happens, I have the means to survive. And that's the main thing a lot of people need to do. It's like what happens if there is a civil conflict and things escalate and the power and the water gets turned off for a bit? You know, wh what do you do? You know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, if, if the, um, you know, lights turn off and they never come back on, I mean, are you, are you prepared to survive? And a, a lot of it, it, it's not just about food and water and, you know, batteries and flashlights. It's, it's that mindset. It's, uh, learning skills, being useful. If, um, you know, society collapses. Uh, it, I mean, at times I, 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 I feel like we're almost there. I really do. It's, it's scary. Never in a million years in my life would I feel like, you know, America would fall or, you know, the world would go crazy like it is now. It's, um, it's scary. Um, and it, it's funny cause you talk about the whole thing with the, with the normies, the people that are in the bubble. I mean, I got a comment on my, my prepping video for 2021 saying I was a conspiracy theorist and I'm, I, and I'm fear mongering. And I was like, <laughs> I just replied back as like, it's not conspiracy when they tell you what to do. And I, I just sent the guy all these links, choose to read them, you know, fine. Uh, but to, to, to call me a conspiracy theorist and I, I'm pushing fear is like, yeah, whatever, dude. It's like all I'm trying to do is get people prepared for a prepared. potential event. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't know if the Great Reset's going to happen for real. It could. But you got to be prepared for any kind of emergency. For the and unknown. For the well, unknown, people don't exactly. like to hear that because they don't like yeah. to consider the possibility that things could ever be bad. So, um, But obviously they can. Mm -hmm. It's happened throughout history to many other places. If we lose our First and Second Amendment rights, if we let those rights go away, we're screwed. We're done. I mean, the only thing that holds the government off is those are those two. I mean, to me, those are clearly the two most important. We Absolutely. have to be able to say what we want, and we need to be able to defend ourselves. And if we can't do those two things, there's no difference between the United States and any other despotic government around the world. There's nothing to stop them from just trampling right over us. Um, so I don't want to sit it out. I want to fight it. I want to I want to preserve those rights somewhere in some community on the planet because you know, I don't I'm not confident that even if we could go into a bunker for 100 years, if we didn't if there was no one on the surface to fight for these, we would come out into a, you know, authoritarian dystopia when we're when we were done in our bunker. Like we need to create <laughs> the world that we want to see and that involves maintaining those rights, defending those rights. Okay, uh, I'm getting a request to do the old man voice. Um, so I, I kind of do it like Odin does, but I'm not as good as Odin. So uh, what was I doing again? Where am I? Uh, I, I do something like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it, it's um, we, we, we can't just sit on our asses on this one. We need to make sure to let the government know that we want our first and second amendment right. We need to have it. And all of you out there that are listening, write your congressman, your senator, uh, whoever it takes to, to have your voice heard and let them know that the First and Second Amendment is sacred to this country. Going and trying to get rid of the AR-15 is, is such a dumb thing, considering the fact that the it, it, you know when it comes to gun violence, it's, it's not even on the radar. It's mainly handguns. Um, yeah. I, um, I, just to your point about the, the the first and second amendment, I was looking this up because I couldn't remember his name. But um, in the past four years, it, it's been the first time I've I've ever seen people in the mainstream on the left 
start to openly attack the First and Second Amendment. There's always been this pretense mm -hmm. that they're not attacking those things. But for the first time, I started to see op-eds written that were questioning whether we should repeal the Second Amendment. Well, they um, want to get rid of the Constitution. <laughs> and yeah, and then and then Richard Stengel, this is the guy I was looking for. Uh, he's one of Biden's appointees to his transition team. He's been appointed as the team lead for the U.S. Agency on Global Media. So he's going to be in charge of the media, right? He's written an op-ed in the Washington Post about how we should start to reconsider the First Amendment. That oh, all speech, I know. It's ridiculous. Yes, that, and and it so, again, it's not a conspiracy theory. There are people who are now openly saying these things that, you know, questioning the the value of of like outright questioning the value of the first and second amendment whereas yeah. it used to be like no we just want to have you know these restrictions on guns but we don't want to get rid of the second amendment we just want to restrict in this way or hey we well, just no want to restrict say that you're say, flat out but, against it you know yeah. oh we we want to take guns away from americans you, you can't do that right it, it's you, you got to chip away at the stone Absolutely. and it, it's funny yeah because like you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, after the um, the the event that happened at a school, which I will not name on YouTube because sure. I don't want you to uh, get demonetized or banned or whatever. Um, you had a lot of people going after AR-15s. Uh, we just want to get rid of these assault weapons. And it's like this is you understand that this is a civilian model, right? You know, it's not fully automatic. It's, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they don't, they don't understand these things. You don't they don't understand that there are, are more powerful rounds out there than the than five five six, and uh, you know three oh eight way more powerful. Yeah. Um, but it, it's convenient, right? It's a symbol, and they're they're doing what they can to chip away at the stone. And now you have people like a better work come out saying, "Hell yes, we're coming for your AR fifteens and AK forty sevens." And in in a lot of people on on the surface, they go and read these things like, "Oh, that that's reasonable," you know. Uh, universal background checks. That sounds fine. You know, we, we need more background checks. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a background check, but it's the way these things are being implemented. And the, the, the scary thing with they're, they're trying to escalate to is a gun registry. And once you're required to register your gun, you, you have one of two options. You become a criminal for not doing it or you register your gun. And the next step after that, because it's not going to solve anything, it's not going to solve gun crime. The next escalation point is, well, we're just going to take right. all the guns away. And, and now we know who has them. And now we know who has them. And, and it's not them knocking on your door. It's going to be turn it, turn over your firearms or go to jail. Yep. Yeah. That's how yep. it's going to be. I, and, and that's how it's happened. Let's By talk the way, about comics. That's Somebody how it's happened historically, like <laughs> though, too. I just want to be clear. Comics isn't making it up. That's a that's what's happened in history. Historically, other countries have done that. They start with the registry. They do exactly what you're saying. Then when they escalate and they take one away, I mean, that's 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 the path. That's what you do. Um, mm -hmm. Colian Noir is a great YouTuber that talks about I this. He's also him. in Texas. Oh, he's an awesome guy. I love his channel. I've been watching him ever since, you know, 2012. And he's a lawyer, very well educated on what's going on with guns and is an advocate for the Second Amendment. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think at this point, I, I've never been a fan of the NRA, but I joined this year after, you know, Biden got elected. So I was like, I, I, I'm already a member of um, another organization, but I was like, I, I, mm, they're the biggest one. As much as I, I, I don't like the organization, they're at least trying to. Yeah, you know, I rights. also was. I used against them and did the uh, same thing recently because my friend convinced me, well, they're, they're the biggest one and they're doing yeah. something, even if they, you don't like the way they're doing it and the something they're doing. 
So, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to have my handgun instructors license with them and, uh, and I had a membership then and then I let it lapse and same thing. I, it was back, uh, during one of the most recent, Oh, I, I won't name this school. I didn't realize that we would get demonetized. Maybe if we do, but one of the most recent gun grabs that happened with uh, David Hawk. I cannot stand David Hawk. But <laughs> when they were coming after guns really hard, then it was it was like, okay, I'm renewing my yeah. membership because at least at least they're out there doing something. Um, I, I did want to. I did want to. I felt like we kind of got dark a little bit, and yeah, we did. Uh, that's, which is that's okay, reality, right? Yeah, it's the reality. The crazy times. Uh, but I do want to ask you because we were talking about hope, like. What is it? What do you think? What are some positive things that people can be doing aside from, like you said, speaking, getting over their fear, getting, getting, uh, becoming okay with the consequences of speaking out and then deciding to do it anyway? Um, but what are some, what are some avenues for, for pushing back? I mean, you do a podcast about the Great Reset, but you also still do one about pop culture, about yeah. comics. So, what do you see in 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 terms of like entertainment and culture? What are some positive things that are happening or maybe could happen? Well, there's still there's um, a lot of good entertainment out there. The Expanse is a really good example of a of a TV show that is phenomenal. It's not laden with identity politics. It's very diverse. It's very well done, and it's it's good entertainment. I mean, there, there's stuff out there that is good, and there's always the old TV shows, and that's the one of the things that I talk about too is buying physical media because what the, the dangers of online you know, streaming services is them going through and censoring out the things they don't like, removing the problematic elements, so to speak. We and, saw and, that. They deleted yeah. uh, people on Amazon who had purchased Mike Cernovich's documentary about the media. It was called Hoaxed. Mm -hmm. They removed it. They stole it. They took it back from you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing I'm that's sorry. so scary. And, and one of the things that we can do is to go and, and take back our power from these big tech companies. And, and we gave them the power. We are responsible for what is going on because we, we gave them so much power. It, it's uh, one, of, one of my things I'm going to do is I'm going to try and buy a lot less Amazon. I'm going to go and use other websites to sell the same thing. Maybe I'll pay a little bit more. Maybe it will take longer to get to me. But we got to starve them through money. Ultimately, that's that's the way we can fight back is, is through money and not giving it to them. I mean, look what happened with Twitter and Facebook with their stock declining. You know, go and get an account on Mines. I think Mines is probably better than Gab. Start looking into using alternative technologies to big tech. I mean, there's the Brave browser out there that it, it's still Chromium browser like Chrome, but it's not controlled by Google. Going and using alternative platforms to YouTube, using you know Rumble and Library is a great one. Oh God, I was going to say Vidme, but Vidme's long gone. Yeah, Library, uh, Odyssey, Bitshoot. Uh, there, there's a lot of really good resources out there. Going back and getting rid of your Google, Gmail account. Stop using Google products. Stop giving them freaking money. That is the best way for any of us to stop this stuff. We gave them the power. Take it back. Use Proton Mail. Set up your own mail server. Whatever. Use something that's an alternative to Twitter. I, I think we're, we're going to start seeing like how it was back in the the nineties and the early two thousands, where people are going to go back to 
having their own website hosted elsewhere yes. rather than using you know what we're, we're seeing like now with Twitter. I mean, Twitter was just so convenient and easy because you know, all these people were there and you can connect. And oh my God, look at the the abuse of power that's going on with Twitter. I mean, when, when a when a company has the ability to censor a sitting president, whether you like his opinions or not. Is very very dangerous. That is a lot of freaking power. They could do that to anybody. Yes, anybody. I'm glad you're saying this because it's a, a corroborate. People don't get. I, I, you're the only other person I've I've heard make make that prediction about where the web is going, which I think is disaggregation. I think we're going back to the that time in the late 90s, 2000s, where you had your own website, you had your own blog, and your own own website. It won't look exactly the same, but I I completely agree. That's where we're going because. Um, mm-hmm. I think people are justifiably skittish of this kind of consolidated, aggregated control. Uh, you put your whole life on Twitter or your whole life. I mean, Facebook, if if Facebook starts to, I mean, Facebook's already bad. If they start getting as bad as Twitter, which I don't think they quite are yet, but they are close. Um, I mean, that that's a, that's tough. They, mm, yeah, it, it, I'm trying to figure out which is worse, okay. Facebook or Twitter. I mean, they gather – look, at Facebook is bad. I, I, in a lot of ways, I, I think it's worse than Twitter because of the amount of information they're collecting well, on from people. that perspective, and, I agree. And, yeah. and I'm – yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I work at tech. Uh, the, the one thing that scares the hell out of me the most is big data. And on the surface, yeah, it's, it makes sense, right? You know, being able to go and analyze data, aggregate stuff uh, is good. But when you start using it against people or on people – Get Minority Report. The difference, you know, between Minority Report and Big Data is the fact. Well, in, in Minority Report, they're using psychics. Um, in Big Data, they're using computers to detect about, te- about ten patterns. years is the difference. Between and that's the thing that's so frightening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look what happened with um, when Snowden blew the whistle on Prism, and you, know, you had Obama come out saying, "Oh, it's just your metadata. We're, we're not listening to your conversations. It's just your metadata." Well, this metadata defines your life. As a person, it knows when you go to bed. It knows when you get up. It knows when you go to work. It knows when you go and poop. It knows when you call your spouse. Okay, so it is able to figure out what you're doing because of these patterns that you have and other people have. The thing that's scary about it is when they start saying these people who like these things tend to have these ideas and these ideas we feel are bad. Well, if you fit into this pattern, well, maybe we send you off to a gulag in the future. Uh, you, you're aware of the social credit system, right, yes. That's, uh, that China yeah. has been implementing? Yeah. Now, the government, fortunately, in our country can't implement that. But right. big tech can. Private companies. Private companies is how we're going to get right. social credit in this country. Yeah. And technically, you could say well, we're already kind of getting it. We're already getting it. It's, it's mm-hmm. how we've gotten censorship. And there seems to be a disconnect between the people who want to live in denial about what's happening. And they, um, you know, after after Trump was elected in 2016, I knew a lot of people in my circles on the left, like we're talking about, oh, you know, they, they had bought into the same lie that I bought into. I believed at the time he was mm-hmm. a demagogue and, you know, but they went out and bought, they were saying, taking photos and stuff of, of night, the book 1984. And I wonder if they ever read it. And if they did, there's this weird disconnect where they're not able to, unless it's literally exactly the same, they can't draw any analogies. And, and they, and they yeah. hide behind the shield of it. 
yeah, they can't draw parallels. And they're like, well, this is a private company. I'm like, well, I guess you'd be okay. One of our, one of our, uh, uh, somebody in the, in the community said recently, you know, they'd be okay with gulags as long as it was owned by Amazon. Like Amazon <laughs> is bringing you in, like, Fine, but it's a private company. They can do what they want. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? Oh, that, that's so funny, too. The irony behind it is that, you know, the left used to be very critical of big businesses. And, you know, now it's um, – I, I love how Tim put it. It's uh, rage on behalf of the right. machine instead of rage against right. the machine. You it's know, like, you're – to, to yes. move forward, I feel like what we need totally. culturally is an awakening uh, that we should start rejecting free services. If you're not – if you're not paying, mm-hmm. you're the product, right? And so, like, I would be. Yes. I mean, look, we pay. I don't know what we pay a month for Netflix, whatever it is right now. But we, you know, our household buys Netflix. Would I buy a service that was as useful as Twitter for ten bucks or twenty bucks a month? Sure, I wouldn't have when Twitter started because I didn't know what it was like. But now, having seen a world right. where maybe that you know could exist, sure, and I think. We really need to get to a point where people are willing to pay for the digital services that they receive online. Because once you do that, then you're the customer. You've got leverage at that point. They can't get away with doing mm. this. They um, they have a contractual relationship with you once there's money exchange that's much more uh, enforceable than some terms of service that's you know somewhere on their website, which probably doesn't even obligate them to do anything in the first place. So um, – but I don't know how we do that. I don't know how we get people to the point of being willing to pony up money for a digital service because it's really against the norm to think to think that way. Yeah, it, it really it really is. I mean, it, it's um, we need to educate people and tell them that look, with these free services like Twitter and Facebook, you are the product. You are the one who is being bought and sold. And more specifically, your data, your habits, your buying patterns, stuff like that. Um, And that's something I've kind of come to the conclusion, too, is like at this point in time, I'd rather pay for a service than use a free one. Um, I'm I'm prepping to delete my Facebook account. I I know that data is not going to go away. You know, Facebook is going to keep it and they're going to continue to sell it. Um, But I haven't used my Facebook in over a year at this point. So I'm comfortable with the idea of going and nuking it. Yeah, I only keep it so we can have an unsafe space page. I need to, I need to remain the admin, but yeah, who knows? Is, is, no, you keep your Facebook so uh, people can send you Golden Girls memes. Carter likes to get Golden Girls memes at his Facebook. Just letting this everyone is, know. The trolling never stops. Even if it's a friend, <laughs> you still get trolled. Uh let me let me I want to read a couple super chats just cuz they they came through and and a couple good points here. Schmandolf says a big part of the issue is those at top so out of touch with audiences and listen to the corporations that work under them for PR and he's talking about media mm-hmm. and games. Um I I think that's probably true but I don't know about the industry in particular but um I wouldn't be surprised. 52 think, movies a year. Says this week is like we are watching Schindler's List, but to the soundtrack of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh man, yeah. Um, it's crazy. And and this one's the most disturbing. The Sidious says Maxine Waters. Got, by the way, just pause. Can we pause on Maxine Waters for a moment? 
Sure. What a low IQ creature roaming the planet that we have put into off. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Maxine Waters introduced a bill to register guns and the sale of bullets either today or the last few days. So uh, it wasn't Maxine wow. Waters. It, it was somebody else, I believe. No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, uh, Colleen Noir did a video about it. I posted it on, um, on Mines. Uh, but yeah, it, it's um, it's frightening. I mean, it, it's one of the things that that Biden wants to do. He wants to get rid of online sales of not just firearms, and they still go through a background check. They get sent to a dealer, but he wants to ban the sale of ammunition and accessories and at this point in time the only way you can get a hold of ammunition is online right and you're gonna pay a lot of money for it right but it's like um yeah. with the exception of my lower um you know I, I built both of my ars from parts i ordered online it's like i i'm i'm blind in one of my eyes uh specifically my right one uh so i have to shoot rifles left-handed so i built my wow. ars to be left-handed and you, i i wouldn't be able to get any of that stuff locally sure. What so, do you think about it's it's insane. 3D printing? Um, I don't I don't know that the metal printing is up to snuff for the the strength requirements for for most firearms. But w- what's your prediction about 3D printing? Oh, they're gonna do their damnedest to ban it. Uh, I know that there's a company in Austin. I don't remember what they're called. They printed the first um, metal 1911 using 3D printing, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it held together just fine. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm super educated on it, but I know that they're definitely going to go for it. They're going to try and ban it. Well, that gets tough, and, right? Yeah, you as a citizen are allowed to go and build your own firearms. You you can do it as long as you don't sell it. It doesn't need a serial number. I mean that – so but think about what that requires. To ban 3D printing of firearms, um, are they, are they going to have to start registering 3D printers? Are they going to start paying attention to who has metal? That could be used in 3D printing. I think it's more of the patterns that they're worried about. You're going to have well, to, that's information warp. That's know. even worse because then they they have to crack down on the mm-hmm. internet so much that they can detect if I'm sending you a pattern. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's that's yeah. tough. And, and the, you know, the other thing that they're going after are the 80 percent lowers mm-hmm. because it, it is legal to sell an 80 percent lower. The ATF is going after it. You know, they're going after the pistol braces, which are legal. You know, the ATF said it was fine. And now they're like, oh, no, we don't want we don't like these anymore. Right. Here's so. here's what I uh, I saw someone mention this today. I forget who um, is a friend of mine. But this this they just voted to impeach again. Yes. Did they I, did. Right. OK. So <laughs> what a bunch of theater. Firstly, costly. <laughs> it absolutely is. Costly theater. Mm-hmm. Um but secondly, what a big distraction because and, – and what are they going to be doing while they've got us all watching the circus and watching the distraction? And, you know, these this bill that you're – that, you know, someone's talking about to um, register guns and ammo. And I just – I'm not looking forward to, um, you know, what's about to happen with all the media. They're going to get there. You know, they have this boogeyman Trump that was very profitable for them and, you know, gave them something to write about and to focus everyone's two minutes of hate on more than two minutes of hate on a day. Um, and, and with him leaving, you know, people have been saying, what are they going to write about now? Well, now they've got something to extend it a little bit longer. They're going to get to have their heyday and their circus about this mm-hmm. stupid show, this stupid show trial. But in the background, what are they working on? 
<laughs> well, I, I think yeah. at this point, it's, it's going after the American people that supported them. I mean, it's the, yeah. the, the, the Trumping ideals. That we all knew that that's what was going to keep media going at least a little bit longer until it eventually petered out. But it, it's like, look at what happened, what they called last Wednesday. They, they are basically saying it, it went from being a, a protest to a riot to insurrection to white supremacy. I mean, yeah. that's what they're already calling it. And it's like. Oh, my God. It's like the only danger that the Q shaman is to is, is a bag of weed. OK, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's to call these people insurrectionists in how AOC was using pop and circumstance to say that half the half of uh, Congress could have been murdered. It's like, lady. <sighs> yeah. You're ridiculous. That. That's what it, I it, meant about this. This the second the other movie, the, the false narrative that's that that people are watching it's reached new heights now. It's like, it's I don't like they're, even... they're giving these people way too much credit to yeah. say that they, they could have toppled the U.S. government. It wasn't even it's an like, attempt to do. Yeah, that. sure. It wasn't they, what, attempted insurrection. No, it was a riot. I'll give them that. No, it, it was not. It, it, it was absolutely right. It, it, no, it, it was mostly peaceful protesting. That's true. Ninety nine point nine percent peaceful. By the way. <laughs> yeah. With less, with ninety nine percent less fires. <laughs> yes, and less deaths. Although there were deaths, but they were the yeah. wrong um, fires. I saw a meme today that just, yeah, I saw something that just laid it out into perspective. And again, I think people are just people on the on the left. A lot of people on the left, anyway, not all of them, but those who are in the bubble don't seem to even understand what any of this is about because they're watching the wrong movie. So they think people talking about Trump being banned from Twitter and banned from YouTube now that that's about us caring about what Trump's going to do now. Like, uh, you know, and they're saying stuff. Oh, Trump's the big boy. I'm sure he'll be. I'm not talking about Trump. Are you dumb? Yes. I, I'm talking about what you said earlier. Comics is, is it shows you who has the power in this country. They, mm -hmm. they have more power. They have more power than any president. You yeah. know, Joe Biden is only going to have his Twitter at their behest, as long as they're happy with what he says, yeah, and they will, yeah. and they will be. He's, of course, they're going to be. Happy and that's with what ultimately my point: is they but, don't understand the, that you know, the, at some point in time, the censorship is going to be used against you. I mean, yeah. when um, you know, as soon as uh, Biden starts bombing brown people in the Middle East, the the anti-war left is going to start speaking out, and they're the next to get banned. Do you think that though? Because I, I'll say, as someone who was squarely in that echo chamber for a very long time, and I voted for Obama twice. I didn't pay attention. He was bombing brown people in the Middle East. He was he was dropping bombs and you know uh, drone strikes and in Syria and Yemen, Libya, and places that I just I didn't pay attention to it. And it wasn't. I don't recall it being reported in the media oh, the yeah. way that the it way wasn't. that they would if 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 it had been Trump, you know, <laughs> or or Bush. I mean, they went yeah, after yeah. Bush pretty heavily, but that that was the thing, right? I mean, he. You know, all these presidents that pr promised us to pull us out of the Middle East and stop doing these things. And um, that's kind of the thing, right? It, because there is a D next to Obama's, you know, name, you know, they're, they're willing to look the other way. Oh, it, it, it must be right. It must be just because somebody with a D right. is doing it, right? As soon as, as soon as you get someone with an R in, oh, my God, this is terrible. And, and it, it's, it's the blinders, the hypocrisy. Um, it, it's... You know, it's ridiculous. And, and it's funny because it's it's obviously supported by the media because I I know Tim Pool has talked about this. And I remember seeing it, too, is when he when he drone strikes Syria, they're saying, finally, Trump is acting. Yes, that was the one thing he did. He's killing people. 
in the Middle East, that's president. That that really that said and so much they, about them. <laughs> they're happy it really with does. it. They're yeah. totally happy with it. You know, this is what's interesting, though. Some of the I know that they try to get us to believe in this binary of right and left. And because so many people do buy into that, then it, it, it's like uh, self-perpetuating in a way, this polarization of right and left. But in reality, I don't – Carter and I have talked about this, and maybe you agree. I don't really think right and left matters that much. It's, it's just not another anymore. one of these – yeah, it's a big distraction to keep us all infighting and not paying attention to what's really happening. Yeah. And so one of the most interesting things I've seen in the past four years is other liberals like myself – who have had their eyes open, but also progressives, I would say like very like actual anti-war progressives. Um, I don't not SJWs. I'm not talking about people who are into ad- identity politics. I'm talking about people who um, uh, in some, in some cases are actual Marxists, the classic definition of Marxist, not, not social justice Marxists, um, but who are anti-war and, and they've kind of, now I've, I've I don't know if you've seen this happen with anyone you know, but some of my friends who are in that group are now for the first time finding themselves being called alt right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I haven't seen that with uh, anyone I know. Like I said, a lot of my you know progressive friends I have you know are on uh, Facebook, which I have since abandoned. So I, I really can't say I, I've seen it, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it, it's it's funny. You know, listening to Tim Pool, and you know, I I know his politics. I've been listening to the guy for I, I want to say like four or five years now, and it, it's funny when people say the guy's all right. It's like, or far or far right. It's like, yeah, he's not even on the right. Come on, yeah. It's like the guy's, the guy's like way more lefty than I am. I, I I'm pretty much a centrist. I've been that way for a long time, and I, and I remember back in 2012, I'd always call out the fact that there's no difference between the Republicans right. and Democrats. Uh, you know, for the most part, they're. You know, they're almost the same party. They have some surface level differences, but for the most part, that's it. And, and the Republicans are much worse at marketing themselves. Uh, you know, the Democrats do such a great job of that. Well, I mean, that's so why they're so. And, and what's happening? <laughs> I was going to say that's why they're so angry at Trump what's ha- because they were the uniparty, yeah. and he was not really the Republican or the Democratic candidate. Exactly. And so uh, I think that that's that's really where the hatred for him comes from. Um, Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's the reason why they don't want him right. to be able to run again is because he is such a threat yeah. to the establishment. And that's what this is all about. If you, if you think it's because of this insurrection, it's being used as an excuse to make sure that he is no longer a threat. And by threat, I mean being able to run again and, and basically expose this, you know, kind of like, you know, monoculture amongst politicians. Yeah. I. Go ahead. I just wanted to read a – this is not a super chat, but Timmy – hi, Timmy time. She's in the chat. She says, the way that friends and acquaintances on my Facebook do mental gymnastics to justify the riots of the summer amazes me. To hear them and the, to hear them, their reason was more noble. Um, of course. And then, she, and then she had another comment in here just about how it's – I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't find it. But just about how it's like crazy making. It's, 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 it's the actual, I think um, – you know, social justice warriors like to misuse the term gaslighting all the time. They use mm-hmm. it incorrectly. They use it to mean disagreement. <laughs> like if you disagree with them, they're like, you're gaslighting me. No, that's, this is I know you're not used to having disagreement. This is what a disagreement looks like. But um, but they actually engage in gaslighting. The, the media, uh, social media companies currently, I've 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 never seen anything like this where 
they're telling you that that reality is not real, and then they're selling you this this false this what what I'm calling you know the wrong movie, but selling you this false reality, and um, th- people are either seem to be either gobbling it up or like Timmy are just kind of stunned. That was her second comment. She says, I'm stunned. Well, I'm the thing stunned. that's that's crazy is like I got in a fight with a um, another YouTuber or kind of YouTuber um, over the whole thing with Trump and putting kids in cages. It's like, you, it's like you understand those cages were built by Obama and Biden, right? Oh, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> and you know, I, I start seeing him articles. And then it's like the mental gymnastics he went through. And it's like, it's almost like, look, dude, it's like I'm, I'm a centrist. I'm not a, he was accusing me of being a, a conservative and a Republican. Conservatives like he is like, dude, I'm, I'm a centrist. It's like I'm a libertarian. I, I'm you know, not a Republican. It's like I did vote for Obama. I voted for Gary right. Johnson. It's like I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. No, you didn't. You're, you're lying. It's like he wouldn't. He wouldn't take anything I said with 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 any sincerity at all. I got to the point where I was like, I just I just muted him and muted the conversation because it just it wasn't worth it. It was just obviously that he was so blinded by his ideology, mm-hmm. blinded by his TDS, that there's no way we we're going to have an, an actual conversation. But the, the funny thing is I sent him the articles talking about the whole thing with the, the cages. And then he started saying, pretending like he knew about it. It's like you only know about it because I freaking sent you the article that yeah. you obviously finally read. See, this is this is a, this is the, the roots of this, I think. It's, it's first of all, you're talking to someone who's in a cult. They just don't know it because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't look like what uh, popular culture has told us like what cults look like or what the, the most mm-hmm. identifiable cults that we all know of. It doesn't have that charismatic leader and it's, it's an ideology that's very mainstream now. And how could it be a cult? But, but first of all, he's in a cult he's programmed in a certain way because he's, he's accepted the tenets of that cult. But secondly, that, something you said there about how he pretended that he knew what, why do that? Why make such a, because he has What's to be the, right. Right. But but why do people it, – it's about being on some basic level. I think it's about whether people are – when I look at people now, I'm like, are you a person who tries to live in truth or are you a person who's okay living in lies, even lying to yourself that you live in lies? Oh, I think are they, the they kind of, realize they're lying yeah. to themselves anymore. No, they don't because yeah. it becomes so second nature. And I used to I used to be like that. I used to be sort of like – um, you know, if you're in a conversation and somebody mentions something that you're not familiar with, that sort of like – Oh yeah, I know about yeah, you know, and just kind of going and not even realizing you're telling a lie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Jordan Peterson who got me to start thinking about that. You know, the the high idea of yeah about like a you know presenting other people's opinions as your own is a form of lying when you haven't done the work to have that opinion about whatever it is you you know you're you're holding court on, or mm-hmm. um, or even just. It seems like such a little thing, comics. I'm sorry I'm dwelling on it. No, but no, no, that, but it makes sense. It's so important. That is a person who's not connected to truth because because he lies about something so little. Who cares if you didn't know that before? You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. I still disagree with you now that I've read it. Here's mm-hmm. why or whatever. Yeah. But, but we live in this place where people feel like these little lies that don't matter. They they matter so much because you can tell so many of them and then you're not you're not connected to anything. You don't even you don't even know what truth is. I'm sorry, there's no question there. It just really bothered me. <laughs> no, no, but but it's it's true though, right? I mean yeah. I, I think one of the biggest things you could do is constantly continue to question your beliefs. You know, is this right? You know, and I, I think eventually you'll you'll 
try and keep yourself out of that, you know, bubble or that indoctrination or whatnot. Constantly question what is right, what is wrong. Are my beliefs good? Are they bad? And yeah, I, I think that's the, the funny thing about it. I mean, when I discovered the the skeptic community, um, they basically put I wouldn't say a face, but a name to what I was seeing. It's like I can't explain what's going on. Um, but I know what's going on. And they, they, when I started watching these videos, like, aha, that makes sense. That's what's going on. That was the piece of the puzzle I was missing yeah. with the whole thing with the, the social justice stuff. It does help and to view like, it as a religion, though, because say- they've, they've done studies like this or cult, right? There have been studies that if you have an irrationally held belief and someone gives you counter evidence to that, um, but it's but it's but it's belief that you hold uh, and consider dear counter evidence doesn't cause those people to question that belief it causes them to double down on that belief and so now these studies were independent of social justice this was unrelated but the -hmm. behavior of that person comports with that kind of a study and that kind of and with with the the idea that the social justice ideology are not conclusions that they've drawn independently that they can then assimilate new data and challenge and check and reintegrate the the social justice ideology is a set of rules that are observed religiously and so things that that yes. do not comport with that set of rules needs to be vociferously objected rejected and they need to double down on affirming their religious belief and adherence to the to, to the ideology i think that's the reason why you you have to get both sides whether you, whether you like it or not, you, you, you can't just be in your own echo chamber. You got to see what the other side is saying because, you know, your ideas might be the ones that are wrong. And, and yeah. I, I constantly say that we need to have both the right and the left. And the reason why is because – and really kind of being in the center is where we really should be because the, both the right and the left have some really good ideas and they also have some really bad ideas. And by having both the right and the left, they keep each other in check. And that's how it used to be. But we, we, we started getting that, you know, the Overton window, you know, just shifting and going wider and wider to the point where it's like now, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm a centrist. People view me as being far right. It's like yeah. I am literally smack dab in the center a little bit to the right. I used to be a little bit more to the left. Uh, but now I'm I'm right on the line between um, you know left and right, but just a hair over yeah. a tad, and it's like I, I don't feel like my my beliefs have changed all that much. You know I'm still for you know equality, you know treating people with respect and you know quality of opportunity and. But yeah. apparently I'm a Nazi now. So. Sounds like something an alt-right person would say. Oh, God, I hey, know. I, look, right? I, I've, I've relayed this before, but I remember moving to San Francisco from uh, the East Coast over 20 years ago now, 20 year, 21 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was a libertarian at the time already. And, uh, you know, the, the attitude of people in San Francisco is that they've always been on the left. But the attitude of the San Francisco people were like, oh, you support gay marriage? That's cool. Oh, you also support gun rights? Well, that's a little yeah. bit weird. But, you know, welcome on the gay marriage thing and, and we can be friends. And, you know, you've, you're, you know, I don't get these things that you do, but that's okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one, no one, no one would have said you're on the right, you're a conservative, blah, blah, blah. Now, now I haven't changed my, I mean, my beliefs have changed very little in the last 20 years in terms of my ultimate political conclusions. They've changed a little bit, but not much. Uh, now I'm exactly what you're saying. This Consider this crazy alt-right Nazi person. Uh, and it's like, what, <laughs> it's ridiculous. guys, 
You've moved. I haven't moved. I've been standing here the whole time. You guys went crazy. Hey. I just stood here. Yeah. Well, the thing that's funny is like the biggest belief of mine that has changed in like the last decade has been my stance on guns. And it's like I, I was you know, very indifferent. I understand why people wanted them, why we need to have a Second Amendment, but be myself. I, I never wanted to go shoot. And it took a coworker of mine saying, hey, we got to take you to the gun range. You we get you need to get you to do something. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. I, I'm more worried about hurting somebody. And, and it's like I, I get the perspective of what Colin Noir says. The reason why people want gun control is because they're afraid of guns. They don't understand them. And you got to take that fear away. And I went out. I did it. I had fun. I had yeah. so much fun. And once you get educated on the safety rules of, of, of um, firing a, a gun, it, it, it takes the, the mystery out of it. And you feel a lot more safer doing it. It's having that understanding of, yes, this thing, it's like a car. Um, when when handled properly, it's very fun. When misused, it can yeah. be very deadly. It's the same thing with an autom- automobile. I mean, you you, um, you get behind the wheel drunk, you can you can end a lot of lives and cause a lot of pain yeah. and suffering. When I was uh, when I was an SJW, the one of the ways in which I was an anomaly was that I was I, I shot. I grew up shooting with my dad and I used to take social justice people and people on the left to the gun range. And they had exactly that experience you're talking about Mm -hmm. where it changed their mind a little bit because they, it demystified it and they had fun doing it. And especially for some of the women, the women who were came into social justice through the feminism door, Mm -hmm. I think it helps them to see how um, maybe, maybe not, they didn't leave that the range saying, you know, I'm fully in support of gun rights now, but they were more open to the idea and they were more open to the idea of guns being equalizer for, for women in oh, some yeah, ways when it comes to physical yeah. force. So I think what, what I hear you saying comics is that we need to start a, uh, take a progressive to the gun range day. <laughs> I don't know. Now you end up, you end <laughs> like, up training Antifa. You take like, them to the gun range now. Cause they've, the progressives have kind of been, no, no, they've been uh, gone. No. Like, I mean, oh, okay. I mean well, the real progressive. it seems the radical left <laughs> has kind of embraced their own gun rights at least. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, they have. Uh, well, the, the crazy thing about it too is, I mean, look at what happened last year because of the coup and the riots. I mean, gun sales have just yeah. gone through the roof. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, um, several times this year, I, I uh, whenever I go to the range, they have a pro shop, and they would have nothing, and they started getting more stuff back in, and um, that stuff would quickly clear out again, especially after what happened with the election. And it's like. And you yeah. take a look what happened with ammo sales. I mean, they, they cannot press ammo fast enough. It, it, it's it's you know, ammo has gone from being maybe like five, ten cents a bullet um, to depending on what you're looking for, you know, a dollar, a dollar fifteen or dollar twenty five for five five six. It's ridiculous. I mean, earlier in the year, I was, I was buying it for seventy five cents around, and it's just like I, I thought that was insane then, and now it's like you know, a buck yep. twenty five for five five yeah. six around. It's insane. Yeah. Absolutely I, uh, insane. It, and it's not isolated either. When the, I first noticed it in Texas, obviously, but then uh, I had the chance to drive to do like a, a, you know, drive through the country. It's for the month of August and went to several states and it's the same in every state. Mm-hmm. You can't find it. It's like, well, surely let's try another shop. Well, now we're in a new state. Let's try. Sorry, someone shop. in nope. chat. Carrie says but, they're, they're talking to you. When you say yeah. take a progressive to the gun range, do we have to bring them back afterward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, you got to bring him back. It's generally polite. You you should. You know, you don't want to leave them there. (laughs) You don't want to leave them there. True. And I I actually really mean like uh, Carter and I, we still have to hammer out this distinction sometimes because sometimes he says he doesn't know what I mean when I talk about a true progressive. Yeah. And I I think I think it's probably best explained by you meeting some of my progressive friends eventually so you can have conversations with them and see or maybe even have them on the show because they're not SJWs like Oh, I know, but I believe that their fundamental and, philosophy and, led yeah. to SJWism and so I don't they, they progressive have always been worshipful they always have been about worship for the state. They've always been about quote progress uh, at the expense of individual rights. Progressives the progressive, the only individual rights progressives have ever really supported is the right to like run naked through the sme- streets and smeared green jello on yourself and stuff that doesn't matter. They don't care about gun rights. <laughs> they don't care about financial rights. They don't care about your right to free no, association. Progressives have never cared about individual rights. They care about a very small set of individual rights that allows them to make piss Christ into art. That's what they care about. Yep. Well, on that note. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think that might be changing, by the way. And especially if you start taking the go. I, do, I really do think we're living in interesting times. And a lot of the old um, alliances have changed. And, and, you know, we're starting to see just in the past the two years we've been doing this, you're seeing radical feminists mm-hmm. like Megan Murphy um, starting to talk to people on the right. And you're starting, you know, you're seeing these, this breakdown of categories and definitions, I think just because the times we're living in are so unusual. So I don't know. We don't have to talk about that anymore. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because like, you know, growing up, you know, it it was the right who was the authoritarians. It's like, I remember back in the eighties, specifically the religious right, you know, they, they were going after music, Dungeons and Dragons, all these things, mm-hmm. you, know, are, you know, is your child a Satanist? You know, all, all this kind of crazy nonsense that, you know, went on in the 90s that we all made fun of. And, and now it's like, holy crap, I am literally watching the left adopting talking points from the from the religious right. It's like, has the world gone insane? Yeah. It's like Pat Robertson <laughs> yes. morphed and he's got an evil twin and he's running the, the yeah. Democrats now. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, can I can I ask you a question? Do you have a you have a day job still, comics? Uh, I do. Obviously, we're not going to ask you where it is because it's, it's part of the reason why I don't make as much content. Yeah, we want we want to like keep it. Too, so, but yeah, I have a what's day job. the what's it like? What's it like there in terms of the woke ideology kind of permeating the workplace? And how much do you worry about people finding this show it's, or something? It's there. It's there, and it's something I am concerned okay. about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, someone, you know, tech is a very small world, you know, that's, that's the thing that's kind of frightening about it. And it, it just takes one thing, right. One person to go, Oh my God, you're that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it to HR and you're booted out the door, you know, cause you, you can't be fired for ideology. You can be, you know, fired for being a Republican or a Democrat, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I, it, it's, I, I've seen it. It's only gotten worse and worse over the year. I, I, I over the year, um, it, but it's not something I, I, I don't want to shit on my company. You know, my company's, it's a good company, but, um, you know, there's, there's definitely things I have issues with and it makes me question how did, long did, I want did, to be the, there. did they come in through the HR department? Yes, absolutely. But, um, there's other, there's other things that, that happen too. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk. That, that's fine. I, I don't want to put you in a, on the spot. I'm just yeah. kind of curious yeah. what your situation is and how, and I deal with you. But yeah, it's, it's definitely very present. 
in HR. Absolutely. It's it's present everywhere. And I think it, it, it does. It comes in through HR. And, and we hear from people in our community all the time who um, are dealing with it at work and in different ways. And um, I think I think James Lindsay was talking about at one point putting together a, a, like a woke response unit or something where you could, you know, giving advice on how to deal with problems that arise from that may arise at your, you know, employment or at your kid's school in the schools. It's, it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everywhere. And, it's everywhere they I can have, get their hands on to indoctrinate yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Let me read a couple super chats just to, so we don't we don't miss them. They're sitting here. Uh, G-Man okay. says, warning, this super chat may lack proper context. Please go to CNN for the full story. Uh, which I just, is, is awesome to me. <laughs> By the way, I know we're blaming mainstream media, but when I look at – when I and I hate the corporate press as well, and I, I, I blame them. But if we really step back and look over the past 10 years, the only reason they're still alive is because big tech has subsidized them. It's YouTube has, has moved yes. mainstream media into the honorary positions of having the absolute truth. And most people don't consume. The only people who watch CNN actually on television are at airports or in retirement homes. Like no one actually watches CNN. Oh, they're getting rid of that. They're, they're pulling it. it. Yeah. They're taking, they're taking oh, well, good. Um, but, uh, you know, like, <laughs> but, but the, I don't think these networks would survive, but for the support of big tech. Um, and so ultimately I, I kind of hold them more responsible. That's my personal opinion. Uh, the next super chat is from Zero Red Fox. It says, don't underestimate AOC's banality of evil. You might want to check out Political Ponerology by Andrew Lobasowski and the study of psychopathy. Oh, he's absolutely correct. Don't know anything about that. Yeah, she, she's, a, she's a very dangerous individual because she, of how influential she is. She's an idiot, you know, flat out, but... Don't under uh, don't underestimate her because of of the power. I think of her she's influence. actually really charismatic. And also, also Sorry, go her. Ahead. Yes, she is. Well, her belief in herself—that's what scares me. Like mm-hmm. people who have this belief in—I um, uh, don't know. She strikes me as someone who is is very enamored with herself and thinks herself very righteous. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, she, she does. does that self righteousness is kind of common uh, on the SJW train right mm-hmm. yes okay schmandoff has two schmandoff says my mind is expanded far more often by bad ideas mm. than by good ones that's interesting point i have to think about that one and then he also says you're very brave comics thanks from chat yeah i know i i, I think um my my only saving grace if i do get canceled from my job is i could go public and I could run the Dave Rubin and say, look and see what these people did and smear them and maybe get some sympathy, you know, cash from the public. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in, in I, I'm pretty, you know, well off because of, of my job. Um, if, if something happens, um, I, I do think that there's people out there where I could get a job out, hopefully, since I, I do work in tech. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I think if it happens, yeah. I'll survive. Uh, but it, it's definitely something I, I am concerned with. You know, I am, it, I am worried it about will it. Makes, it makes sense. And we, um, Carter and I both left our careers to be able to do this. Um, and that, that I mean, it, it was kind of, I, I couldn't have seen it any other way. In my case, I couldn't have kept doing what I was doing anyway. It, it just didn't feel right. I just felt, it just felt totally gross. <laughs> right. <I know. laughs> So because of what I was doing was selling SJW stuff specifically, I had to quit doing that anyway. But um, uh, I do know people like we have a friend of mine 
um, Mystery Chris has started doing a pop culture show with us. We are going to pick that up again soon, but we did the first episode and he's behind, uh, an, he's behind, a an avatar, I guess you would say as well, because, you know, he, he, he has a job that he has to worry mm-hmm. about and what a scary time that that's even a concern that it's like, you can't even, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that well, you're being the, the thing that worries me the most is when banks start doing things. You have the wrong ideas, wrong opinions, and you get fired from your bank and they take your money. That's the thing that scares me yeah. the yeah. most about all the stuff. It's not just losing your job. I can find I could probably find another one. I could find another one working for somebody, you know, with, with like mind. Um, but it's when the banks start doing these things to people. Can I ask you, since we've asked you all manner of things and gone all over the place, what do you think about Bitcoin? Well, um, I think now is probably a good time to invest. Specifically, if we do enter into a nasty recession, it's a good place to, I think, maybe you know have have your money. Um, it, 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 I think Tim is right on certain things with it with it going up. I mean, just look at. Oh God, I, I wish I got into it sooner because there's a good friend of mine saying, "Hey, dude." Start mining Bitcoin. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, if I did that and I had uh, several Bitcoin uh, now, I would be in a very good position. You and I, I should I talk say. because um, I have yeah. Bitcoin miners I, that like way back were totally worth running, even from California, um, where power is very expensive. But now there's no reason like Bitcoin would have to be over 100K for them to be worth it. But in no Texas, reason. I don't know, much cheaper power. Uh, maybe I should send you some Bitcoin miners and you can turn them on. <laughs> True. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think at this point it's a good place to kind of put your money. I, I think diver- diversifying your money between, you know, stocks, bonds, um, Bitcoin or crypto in, in period land is a good place to, you know, put it as well as precious metals as well. Because if, if we hit a pretty bad recession, you know, that that's not good. I, I mean, I've already parked all my money, my 401k yeah. into bonds. Uh, because I'm concerned about a huge drop. I remember what happened back in uh, was 2008. You know, I had a, you know, quite a bit of money in my 401k and it, uh, it dropped. And, you know, obviously it's recovered now, but I want to maintain that. So that way when the economy improves again, I'm able to have it continue to go up rather than go down and go back up. So it, it's um, I think if you're smart, you, you definitely need to go and diversify. I think a lot of money. people don't realize, too, they can do some of the things that they would want to do normally with their money, but denominate them and not in dollars. You can you can you can be in the stock market, but not you could be in the Hong Kong stock market. You can be you can buy stuff that's not in yeah. the U.S. dollars so that if the dollar crashes, if that's what you're worried about, um, you can survive. the You can weather the storm. You can get Canadian stocks. You can get stocks on other uh, other countries markets and um I want to point out this: we're not giving financial advice. This is not a financial show. Neither one of us are financial advisors. Do not <laughs> this you know, is blah, not blah, 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 that would be amazing. I, I, apparently, it's not that difficult. I mean, uh, drug 3PO interviewed her, so that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and you then know. somebody, this is not a super chat, but somebody said, Zatter says, I put all my money in toilet paper. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad. Not you know, bad someone del- I missed this before, but I want to mention um, it because it was important. Someone mentioned if you want to hear about your rights and be more aware of your rights, Alan Dershowitz has a good 
YouTube channel, apparently. I don't I don't follow it. I don't know. But uh, he talks about First and Second Amendment rights and, and I guess your rights generally. And so it's good to be aware of what they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you absolutely do need to be aware of what they are and what you what you have. Ultimately, what you can lose. I mean, that's the big thing. We, we take our rights for granted so much. And it isn't until something like this where we're like, holy crap, are we going to lose our First and Second Amendment rights because of, of what just happens? You know, because they can very easily justify taking away people's rights because of the of the Capitol yes, incident. Which they will do. You know, all they need oh. is one good yeah. excuse. That's And they I, – I, I, part of me just wonders if they were inclined to let it happen because they wanted, they wanted the excuse. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I know my conspiracy theory. Just yeah, speculating, but they wanted this. They did. Um, They've been waiting for four years yeah. for this to happen, and they yeah. finally got it. And here's like the thing that that drives me crazy. It's like, it's like you guys almost made it to the end, and and then then this happens. And of course, what are they selling as? White supremacy, insurrection. And, and when I talked to you about the whole thing that happened, I was like, when you look in the history books, twenty years from now. What you're going to see about the storming of the Capitol is they're going to show that guy with the Confederate flag. They're going to show that guy with that, you know, German camp that I can't name on yes. YouTube because they will, you know, probably ban hammer you. That's what they're going to they're going to sell it as. It's it's not going to be about people that had no voice that were concerned about what was going on. Um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be sold that these were white supremacists, and we're already hearing it from the media. We, we're hearing yeah. it from members of Congress. I mean, they, you know, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was talking about on the View today. You know, that's all they're saying. Oh, the, they're right. white supremacists. It's not oh. citizens that were concerned. They're white supremacists. Meanwhile, do you know they they don't seem to get this, but they're actually we we talk about this a lot. The KKK, white supremacy in the U.S had gotten to a point where it was universally mocked and regarded mm-hmm. as an evil ideology. As it should be, censors listening. They had to as go it should on. Be. As, as it should be. As, as it, it should be. As it should be, correctly, yes. And and they, to the point where they had to go on Jerry Springer to get attention, and then we all pointed and laughed. Exactly. And now, now because of this, they've, they've, they've created this golem, this boogeyman that they wanted, and they are pushing people actively for the past four years – they're pushing people into that kind of racist extremism. They're pushing people over there because it's yeah. it's this counterbalance thing. And you, and if you're calling, um, you know, 63 million, 70 million people uh, white supremacists already, it's like, do you not think that a, a small percentage of those people are going to say, well, I guess you're already calling me that. I'm just going to check it out. Like, you, you know, you're treating me as such anyway. There's going to be – you are rad- – I saw a thread by – Someone recently um, uh, on Twitter, um, Chris Sacco. I didn't even know who he was. He's some billionaire. He's a very, very Saka. famous investor. He's a billionaire. Okay, well, wh- whatever. All I saw was he of tweeted something he dumb. And he said <laughs> – he basically was talking about a friend of his who's supposedly been radicalized by falling down the YouTube rabbit hole and watching Ben Carson ben videos. Ben Carson? And then ended up – Ben Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben Carson. He said he Ben Carson? Say, he said Ben Carson. I think That's he meant funny. Ben Shapiro. Yeah, he I think did, he meant probably did. But he, but he's he talks about him watching Ben Carson videos and falling down this rabbit hole, and now he, and now he's a, a proud boy and a white supremacist, you know. And it was like, dude, you don't understand. Like, uh, he he said, you know, it started off with him saying things like Ben Carson makes sense sometimes. And I was like, you know, maybe you should have said 
yeah, sometimes Ben Carson does make sense instead of pushing him away and calling him a white supremacist. Do you, do, you're creating the very right. You're the reason people are getting radicalized because you can't because you're a radical because you're such mm -hmm. a radical. You can't um, look at a Ben Carson video or Ben Shapiro, if that's what you meant, and concede that he does have yeah. some good points. You're lumping that in with radicalism and white supremacy. So it's like they're by, creating. By the way, Chris Sock is one of the reasons you have Twitter. He was one of their first seed investors. Well, he blocked me today just That's for funny. question. <laughs> well, the one thing I, I think is funny about all this is that probably some of the best movies that dealt with racism and race that came out of the 90s was American History X and Higher Learning. And both of them kind yes. of really deal with about how somebody can get radicalized into a movement like that. And it, it's I mean, they're just such good movies. But yeah, those movies would never be made today because we can't have a conversation about race and racism and what drives somebody to it. A, a lot of it is that sense of belonging. And when you demonize white people, you really are just kind of pushing them into their into their arms. And this is something that the mainstream media knew back then. This is something that Hollywood knew back then. And they, they wanted people to not be racist. Now it seems like they want yeah. people to. They it's like the whole it. idea. Yeah. When, when, you, when you're being told by the mainstream media, social media, uh, all these, you know, SJWs that you're evil and you're bad for being white and male. And you, you start wondering, where is there a place for me in this world? And there's this group of people like, oh, yeah, come over here, man. We, we, we think right. white I people mean, are great. I mean, look, if, if, if you're given that well, – well, well, yeah, we'll buy to you a beer. I totally agree with you. If you're, if imagine yourself being a young white kid with no moral compass because you don't, you know, you're developing, mm -hmm. and you're told the one thing you're convinced of is the world is divided by race. Everything is divided by race, and you're in this particular category. Now you have two choices: you can join the people who hate that category, or you can join the people who love that category. But the idea of not defining yourself by that category is just not even on the radar. That's not a thing that you do. So, I mean, you're going to mm -hmm. end up with people that say, well, I don't hate myself enough to join the category, to join the group that hates me. I'll join the group that thinks I'm better. And no one, there's no third option presented. There's no like, hey, <laughs> you don't have to define yourself by a racial category and we don't have to talk about one race being better than another. Like we're all yes. equal and like we can we yeah. can have that discussion like that option's just been totally marginalized as an option. In fact, anyone presenting that option is called the white supremacist. Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, the funny thing about it is they've, they've totally nuked the middle ground. You know, it's either you're radical right. one way or another. And that's the thing that's so sad about it is like, you know. Yeah. Being in the middle, like I say, it, it's kind of it, – it, it's the sweet spot between these ideas and because anything uh, – er, er, I want to say everything's bad in moderation. Everything is good in moderation. You need to have moderation because if you go into excess in either direction, it's bad. Well. Um, OK. So one – we have a no, couple let's do a more. Couple super I know chats, I keep saying yeah. final super chat, but I'm really enjoying talking to you and so we're going a little over. That's OK. That's fine. Hopefully, hopefully it's OK for you. OK. It's fine. So Jack – Jack says, thank you from the United Kingdom for an interesting chat. Keep going. Being cynical and satirical keeps us sane. I totally agree. And Raging Raptor, thank you. That's a very large super chat, says, I'm also in tech and has uh, it has spread rapidly. HR was too naive to stop them from flooding in the door via referrals. An entire department of 100 people has been practically turned over in less than two years as the normies flee. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's two more. Oh if wait, you do and them. then Schmandoff again. They're creating the exact same hatred that they claim to fight. 
I yep. totally Absolutely. agree. They need they the need, enemy. They need the enemy because it justifies what it justifies their entire belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kevin Collins says, "My new term: precision division, dividing people into groups with with a social scalpel for purposes of identifying the enemy." Yep, that's exactly what they're doing. Have you uh, have you read uh, Brave New World recently? Not recently. I read it in high school. Uh, I still own the I still own the book. I need to go ahead. back and reread it. Uh, see if your see if your book has the 1946 forward that he wrote when he re, when they reprinted it, because in that forward, I, I would be curious to hear at some point what you think about it. In that forward, he kind of lays out um, what he thinks would have to happen in a society to get to a point where uh, where you could see a future like the Brave New World. And when he was writing it in 1946, he's like, I can't believe how far we've progressed already since I wrote this book. Like to wow. get here, and Holy one of the four, crap. one of the four things he lists is um, a system of dividing people up into groups and and cataloging cataloging them scientifically and keeping them divided. And it was like social justice. Anyone? Hello. Like it's doing very well right now. Yeah. <clears throat> but, Sorry, there might be a yipping. Dog. We're used to those here. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh jeez, but yeah, you, I'll have to go check it out. There, there's um, a lot of like really good books that kind of predicted this future. You know, obviously 1984. And there's the Vonnegut story. I always forget Harrison the Bergeron. name of it. Yeah, um, yes, Harrison Bergeron. That that yeah. one always resonated with me. It always stuck with me. And whenever I see what's going on, specific, specifically with equity, I always think yes. of that story. It's a perfect story about equity. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. I don't want to keep you too long. We are going to have, or we do already have links where people can find you. You can look below the video, guys. But just to let people know, again, where they can find you on Twitter while you're still there and uh, on YouTube, what are your channel names? Okay, so my, my channel name is my primary one, which I have not, you know, I've just been live streaming on. I, I, I got to get back to making content. But just uh, between the what happened recently and uh, being on vacation for two weeks is maybe a bit lazy and, and investigating into alt tech and whatnot. Um, I need to get back to making content, but you can find me on my primary channel, which is comics division. There's also the great reset, which I believe if you, it, it, it's great reset, the great reset 2020, or maybe I did 2021. Uh, I finally got over a hundred subs and actually I had well over hundred subs when I, when I launched it. Um, I just had to wait the month. So you can go check it out. Um, I would post it in the chat or send it to you guys, but I just don't have it. We'll add it currently. to the show description. I'll go check if that you out. Send it to me after the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter still at Comics Vision. I've, I really haven't been posting there mainly because I've been focusing on mines at this point. Uh, my goal is to ultimately get off of Twitter and delete my Twitter account because Twitter is not worth it. Uh, it, it's, it's, it really is just turning into one large echo chamber now that they start banning everyone. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that unsafe space has been banned from Twitter for unknown reasons. The, the only way they could ban us would be so, for unknown yeah. reasons. So, <laughs> oh, of course. But well, yeah, now that I, I have uh, another video I'm working on, which is going to be talking about alt tech alternatives to big tech. So that's, oh, that, cool. that will be launched on the, um, the great research great. channel. And I hung out, I hung out in one of your live streams once. It was really fun. Oh, I highly recommend you. it. Yeah. You guys made me laugh. Um, but thank you. Thanks again. It's very nice to uh, meet you on our show. And I yeah, hope you can come back sometime. It's fun. Oh, definitely. Just and, let me know yeah. when. 
we make usually I make notes of things I need to read or watch when we talk to guests. And sometimes it's like really dense books. And this time I'm glad there's some I'm like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list of things you were talking about. <laughs> I will read some old Spider-Man before next time. <laughs> old school Spider-Man is great. I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny because like, you know, looking back at a lot of the stuff, it's it's. It's kind of hokey, you know, you're being written back in the 60s and whatnot. It's, you know, very simple storytelling, but but effective and, and entertaining. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit more goofier then. Um, but now it's just like. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to bother with the new stuff. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again. It makes okay. a part of my soul hurt. What just happened? No, I say like, it, it, it makes no. a part yeah, of my no, soul I, hurt. It's I, unfortunate. I, I can imagine. I'm not even that big of a comics book fan, but I just well, I watch what it's done to some science fiction shows, and it it made my soul hurt. Star Wars made my soul hurt, so I I feel your pain. What what they did to and Trek too. is abominable. Yeah, so, well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great to talk to you. We will try and have you back. Um, everyone, go follow Comics Vision. Go check out his YouTube channels. I especially I haven't seen your great, great reset channel. I'm just super glad you're doing one. So go check out the great reset channel because I think that sounds like an amazing idea and exactly what people need to be paying attention to. So yes, they thanks, do. Ma'am. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following 